up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show Selection Sunday Special. I'm your host, as always, Jack Vita. We have so much, and I'm so excited for what we have going on tonight. We have a lot to run down. It's Selection Sunday. It's the greatest time of the year, so I'm going to help you fill out your bracket, and I've got some help tonight. But before I bring in who else is contributing to this live stream? And greetings to those who are listening in the audio feed. I would like to bring up just a couple of quick things. First, this is probably the biggest show that this podcast has ever done, at least a live stream. I'm really excited about it. And I know many of you guys are as well. If you're enjoying it, feel free to hit share. Share it into your feed and maybe some more people pick it up. I'm doing this uh, podcast thing as a full-time thing and not making a whole lot of money, but hoping to grow my audience. So if you're liking it and you think other people might enjoy it, hit share, send it their way, send it, tag some people in it. Make sure you get in those comments and uh, let's hear what you think. I want to hear what you guys think on our picks and what we're thinking here. Maybe you guys have some insight. We'll try to get to as many of those comments as we can tonight. Second, I would like to invite you all cordially to my bracket pool. You can find it on jackvita.com. It's right there on the homepage. And I'm doing a bracket pool. I'm giving away two prizes to the winner. So for first place, I will send $50 your way via Venmo, PayPal, QuickPay, Chase, you name it. You get 50 bucks if you win. And you will be invited to come on this show sometime. So pretty good uh, little bundle for our first place winner. Now, in order to qualify, you need to go to my website, enter through the link to the bracket pool. That's first things first. Second, I'm going to need you guys to subscribe to the Jack Vita Show and leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Now, you can subscribe to the show wherever it is that you get your podcast. It doesn't need to be on Apple, but if you can leave a review on iTunes, that would be awesome. So screenshot your review, screenshot that you're subscribed. Send it to me via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you name it. You're qualified. You have a chance to win big. And we can have you guys on the show. We have a lot in store for you all tonight. I don't want to waste much time. We got a lot going on. Just March Madness. We're going to be going live uh, plenty more times, I'm sure, over the next uh, couple of weeks. Doing some more recaps of the rounds of the tournament. Should be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of great guests. In addition to that, we're also gearing up for Major League Baseball season. So hopefully you guys are enjoying the MLB preview series. I'll be covering the NL Central this week. But let's talk college basketball now. At this time, I'm going to bring in who we have helping us out tonight. First, he is a frequent contributor to the Jack Vita show and uh, watches more college basketball than anyone I know. Please welcome Andrew Stem. Oh, thanks, Jack. It's good to be here. It's uh, you know, it's been two years since we had a selection Sunday, and uh, you know, the bracket is out. It it's real now. Where the tournament's going to get going. Lots of good matchups that we're going to hit on, and uh, awfully good, to, awfully glad to be here talking about uh, the tournament with you. Oh, one hundred percent. I'm so glad to have you here. It's going to be a lot of fun, and. Uh, you know what? We got one other person who's going to be helping us out. So I'm going to bring him in for a brief second. He's uh, becoming a frequent on these live streams. He's uh, starting to, he's moving in over here. P please welcome producer Smitty, AKA Nate Smith. 
What up? I'm living rent-free in Jack Fetus podcast right now. Uh, I'm becoming a fan favorite. You know, I'm getting a lot of people reaching out. Uh, so, no, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, Andrew, you said it perfectly. I mean, it's if we've been waiting for this for two years now. Um, I have one of these tearaway calendars at my at my desk at work. Well, if you can see it, well, there we go. Friday, March 13th, 2020, the last day I was in the office. Uh, that's why I haven't torn away any more of it. So I'm saving this as a memento, the day that the earth stood still and we lost a year of college basketball. So I'm super pumped uh, to see how the tournament turns out. Yes, and as you can tell, Nate is rocking his uh, Wisconsin Badgers hat. He went down to the Big Ten tournament this weekend. Did you have fun, Nate? I did. I had a lot of buzz down there. Um, you know, Indy is Indy's a great city. They're they're totally set up. They're ready to go. Um, even when we were down there, they were hosting multiple tournaments. They had the Big Ten men and women tournament going on at the Field House for the women, and then over at Lucas Oil. And at Lucas Oil, they actually have two courts um, with a big drape down the middle, like at the fifty yard line. And so I think they're going to have, you know, a couple of games going on, maybe overlapping a little bit just with the tournament. So they're doing a great job. There's a lot of buzz down there already. Unfortunately, the Badgers um, are not looking too hot. But, hey, I'm, I'm hoping being the oldest team in the NCAA tournament that will, uh, you know, will bring a little bit of uh, a, a little bit of moxie and um, can turn things around. So we'll see. <laughs> Good stuff, Nate. Well, we will be popping you back in and out. Nate's here to help us out as our producer for the show tonight. So I'm sure Nate will be seeing you very soon, I'm sure. Yep. Talk to guests. All right, Andrew. First things first, before we get to the matchups, I want to know, not talking about seeding, because I'm sure we'll talk about seeding as we actually look at this bracket. How do you think the committee did in terms of just selecting the teams for the tournament? You know, um, I'm a little bit surprised in some places. I thought Michigan State would, uh, after their kind of run of beating Illinois, uh, Ohio State, and Michigan a couple weeks ago, would uh, be safely in and avoid the first four. Um, but they got that matchup against UCLA. Uh, Syracuse does it again. Uh, they always just manage to kind of sneak in and, you know, avoid those first four games. And it seemed like they might have been destined for one of those, but they, they end, in, end up on the 10 line. Um, you know, I think for the most part, I don't think there are too many legitimate gripes. Uh, the first four out, you know, being, uh, Louisville and Colorado state and, um, St. Louis and, uh, Mississippi, you know, um, you know, of those teams, St. Louis probably has the biggest gripe maybe. I mean, the, the mountain West didn't do, uh, any of their teams, a lot of favors, even to the point where Boise state ended up not even being in one of the first four. And then conversely, maybe it worked out okay because Utah State ended up safely in. Um, you know, I, I think this is – it was good to see Drake get in. Um, you know, I hope that uh, a region project from uh, northwest Indiana, Shanquan Hemphill, Tank Hemphill has been out for a while, and they made a big point that he would be back for the tournament. So now we're going to get uh, an old Missouri Valley rivalry of sorts with Wichita State and Drake. And uh, I, I, I don't have too many complaints with teams. I don't think, you know, that – any of the first four out really had a, um, you know, that we absolutely have to be in and their field to be any sort of injustices. I, I think this is a pretty good field of 68. Yeah, I think they actually did a really good job because a lot of the stuff I was reading over the weekend and in the last week, I was seeing 
Michigan State firmly in. I don't think they should have been firmly in. I think if you want to be firmly in this tournament, you need to finish at least above 500 in your conference, even if it is the Big Ten. We're talking about postseason play. In any other sport, if you have a below 500 record, you're probably not a playoff team. That's how it should go, in my view. So a lot of stuff I was seeing was I was seeing Drake out. I was seeing Utah State out. I'm really glad that both those teams got in because I think both teams could be a lot of fun uh, over the next week or two. Yeah, I know we're going to hit on matchups. I really like that Wichita State-Drake game. Uh, I also think the other uh, power conference first four matchup, Michigan State-UCLA, will be interesting for a lot of different reasons. Um, but there are, yeah, there are some really good, you know, uh, when we bring Nate back in, uh, that 8-9 <laughs> matchup, North Carolina and Wisconsin, uh, is incredibly entertaining. I feel like all four of the 8-9 matchups, as they're supposed to be, kind of are, um, but, uh, there are some good ones and yeah, you know, I, I think some people will say St. Louis, uh, they may have a legitimate gripe They they, you know, they had it, they started out so well, uh, then went on a long COVID pause and then kind of struggled coming out of that pause. But, uh, you know, and I would love to advocate for the Atlantic 10, but, uh, I just, it sounded like there wasn't enough there, there. Um, I think their, their quad one and quad two records weren't quite up to par with some of the you know other bubble teams at least in terms of wins in those quadrants when you kind of slice it uh would have been good to see the billikens in there but yeah other than that i don't don't have a whole lot of complaints um you know that some questions about seedings i think and i assume we'll probably get to that but uh you know in terms of selecting the the six the field of 68 i I think the committee did a really good job here yeah i think they did a great job and i'm not going to complain too much we'll touch on the seedings as we go through it i mean the end of the day, you just want to get the best 68 teams in there. And so if you can get those teams that are deserving in there, it'll play out. Now, we'll talk about some of these matchups that we could say whether they make sense, whether they're just what the deal is with some of these. But I think the best place for us to start as we go through our brackets. And by the way, guys, if you're uh, checking this out and you got thoughts, comments, Comment away. We'd love to hear it, and we'll uh, we'll address those. So we're going to start with the West region, which is in the top left of your bracket, and uh, we're just going to go through each of these matchups and take a look at the region as a whole, leading off with the Gonzaga uh, Bulldogs. They will be playing now. Unfortunately, Andrew, you don't like it when we see, and I, I don't like it either, when you see these teams that win their conference have to play a play-in game but that's what's going to happen for Norfolk State and Appalachian State. Yeah, um, you know, it should be an, an interesting matchup. At one point, App State was, I think, 7-6 and six overall. And, uh, you know, they, they, they won four games in the Sun Belt Tournament, and it was their longest winning streak of the year. Um, you know, there were some people who I think they were thought was destined to get paired with Michigan. If the committee has a, a sense of humor after the 2007 football game, uh, thankfully for my heart, that's not going to happen. Um, but, uh, you know, this is only the second time that Norfolk states in the NCAA tournament. You remember the first time, uh, probably back in 2012 as a 2012, 15, as a 15 seed, they upset second seeded Missouri. Um, you know, they they finished second in the MEAC and, uh, won the MEAC tournament, um, you know, that, that, that'll be an interesting game. It's, it's unusual to see a team from the Sun Belt end up in the, the, as a 16 seed, but that's kind of the way App State's season played out. Um, 
and you know, to App State's credit, they beat uh, I think three of the top four seeds to get and win the Sun Belt tournament. So they're they're playing their best at the right time, and uh, it should be an, an entertaining game on Thursday. Yeah, so we'll have that uh, good first four game on Thursday, and then regardless. I think we can both, we feel pretty good about Gonzaga moving to the second round though. Right, Andrew? I think so. I mean, it will be uh, interesting. I can't remember if it was that 2012 or 2013 when uh, Southern pushed them in the 116 game for for quite a while. I think about the first 30 minutes of that 40-minute game. Um, But, I mean, this this Gonzaga team is on a whole other level. Um, You know, there's for a long time it was Gonzaga and Baylor together. And then there was the rest of the field and Baylor has kind of fallen off a little bit. And even though they only have a couple of losses, they haven't looked that great recently. Um, but I think Gonzaga is kind of a clear tier unto themselves. And then the next five, six teams are all kind of lumped in together. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they'll probably have a couple of first team all Americans, Drew Timmy, uh, Jalen Suggs, Corey Kispert, uh, all those guys, uh, and they got pushed against BYU uh, in the second, you know, especially in the second half of that West Coast Conference title game. But 26-0, and 0 and uh, they've beaten, you know, they've beaten everybody they played. They have some good wins. They could be looking at a matchup, a rematch with Iowa uh, down the road here. Or um, Kansas. They played Kansas, too. Or Kansas, and they played Virginia. So, in yeah. theory, their Sweet 16 and Elite 8 games could be rematches of games they played in the regular season and you know that kansas game was relatively close and iowa played them close for a while before it ultimately turned to be um you know about a 12 point game but uh they've they've steamrolled everybody they've played and uh they've got to be the clear favorite i don't know if you know we can get there you know we haven't gotten an undefeated team who's gotten all the way to the national championship game um in quite a while you know the 70s wichita state lost in the uh, second round, and then uh, you know Kentucky lost in the Final Four. St. Joe's lost in the well. St. Joe's lost in the Atlantic Ten tournament, I guess. So they had one loss when they got in there. But um, you know, and UNLV the year they went undefeated, they lost in the Final Four uh, to Duke in '91. So it's been a while since an undefeated team has reached the national championship game. Um, and you know, a lot of pressure on the Zags to do it, but they are as good. Uh, a team as I feel like we've seen in a while. And so they're really, really good. Yeah. I, I feel pretty good about Gonzaga moving to the second round, but the fact that they haven't lost a game yet, that definitely makes me a little concerned, especially with some of these ma- rematches potentially coming up. The second game that we have uh, in the top left of your bracket, we've got a really cool eight, nine matchup with Oklahoma and Missouri. Yeah, we go uh, old Big 12, uh, Big 8 yeah. rivals uh, getting together. And uh, these are two teams who at one point, you know, uh, Missouri beat Illinois, handed Illinois their first loss of the season back in December. Uh, they reached pretty highly in the polls. And it's a couple of teams, in all honesty, who over the last month or so of the season, excuse me, uh, Missouri's lost six of their last nine. And uh, Oklahoma has lost five of their last six. So uh, these are two teams both reached, I feel like, the outer fringes of the the top ten. And uh, at one point really had it going. Um, So, you know, they've got the talent uh, to, you know, push Gonzaga in the second round. 
um, since one of those teams is going to get there. But uh, two teams that, you know, find themselves kind of in this 8-9 game when I think they're, you know, if you'd asked at the beginning of February, they'd have been hoped to seed it much better and just going the wrong way as we get set for uh, the start of the tournament here. Yeah, the Oklahoma thing was very sudden. I remember it was two weeks ago. I was in Nashville. I met some an Oklahoma fan as I was waiting in line to get some uh, Hattie B's hot chicken. Very good. Recommend it. And he told me he was an Oklahoma fan. He's like, I'm feeling great. I think at the time they were maybe the number eight team in the country. And that was, he's like, but they just lost this game to Kansas State. Why did we lose to Kansas State? Kansas State, that's that's a bad loss. Since that loss, free fall, and you mentioned five of their last six. I still kind of like them, though. I, I think I like Oklahoma in this matchup. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, Austin Reeves, you know, he's he's a guy, uh, their starting point guard, uh, plays a bunch of minutes. He has a pretty high offensive rating, um, doesn't turn the ball over a ton, and uh, is uh, 86% at the line. So he's a guy who can, you know, get to the line at the end of games and, and hold off when you got to make your free throws. And he's the guy who could be uh, a difference maker, I think, in, the, in this first round game. And uh, I would probably agree with you, be inclined to lean Sooners here. Yeah, and we keep it moving, and we get to our 5-12 matchup, and this is a team that you are very plugged into right there in Omaha as you are at the Omaha World Herald. Creighton will be playing the UC Santa Barbara Gauchos. Exciting to see the Gauchos back in the tournament, bringing me back to the good old Orlando Johnson days about 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, the Gauchos uh, win in the they swept the Big West, win the regular season, and uh, took it to UC Irvine in the Big West title game last night. Um, and you know, you mentioned Creighton, and they had such a good win over UConn on Friday in the Big East semifinals. And there's been a lot going on. It's been a very emotional couple of uh, couple of weeks here. There were some remarks from uh, Coach Greg McDermott uh, after the post game against uh, Xavier when they lost at Xavier a couple weeks ago, and uh, you know he referenced the plantation and um, the, possibly a slip of the tongue or just misuse of a phrase. Uh, but you know he was suspended for a game and, and he coached against Villanova, then was suspended. Then the team came back after he missed senior night and they had a good first couple of wins in the big East tournament and then just fell absolutely flat against Georgetown last night. And I don't know if it's just kind of the emotion of the last couple of weeks coming out, uh, or what it is. Um, you know, this is a program that has not made the sweet 16 for as, as talented a teams as they've had, even when they had Doug McDermott, that's surprising. Um, They, they lost to Baylor in the second round, uh, in his senior season in 2014, and, uh, you know, they, they looked to be, have a really good team last year and then COVID hit and they were the, you know, they were biggest co-champs last year. They, um, and just, you know, that's, they have some really good wins. You know, they, they beat Connecticut three times. They, they split with Villanova, but they also have some head scratching losses. They lost a home to Providence. They lost a home to Georgetown. Um, so they lost a home to Marquette should have beat Kansas. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, Offensively, they're great. Mitch Ballack uh, has in the gym range. Uh, Marcus Zagorowski was at one point thought to be was preseason one of the preseason All Americans, and he's been as good as advertised. And uh, this team is as good defensively as Greg McDermott has had in his tenure here in 
in Omaha. And it will just be interesting to see. It's been an emotional couple of weeks and how those guys kind of bounce back uh, from the Georgetown loss, whether that's something that carries over or whether it was kind of a one-time thing and they'll be, they can you know get away and have a few days to relax and recover and then kind of go at it because they, they, they could get easily to the sweet 16. Um, they could also, you know, lose to the Gauchos and I don't think any of the possibilities in between would be all that surprising. Yeah, this is a tough one because Creighton still feels like a mid-major to me with their background. And this feels like we're looking at two of the best mid-majors. At least this is this would be the story 10 years ago. I really like the Gauchos. I'm feeling them. Watched a little bit of them last night. Was very impressed. Uh, Jaquari McLaughlin, very good player uh, over there for the Gauchos. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Gauchos here. I'm just not confident enough in Creighton, uh, which is... Actually different because typically I like Creighton quite a bit going in, but you mentioned just some of the off the court things. It's a little bit, maybe a little bit of a distraction there, uncomfortability in that locker room potentially. We'll see how they bounce back. There's a chance for them to come together and uh, come together through everything that they've been through and that bad loss over the weekend. But I don't feel before all of that, I still wasn't, you know, this is an up and down Creighton team. You don't know what's going to happen with them, which squad will show up. Like you said, I think really either of these teams could go to the Sweet 16. I'm going to go ride with the Gauchos in this one. You know, uh, the Gauchos started out 4-3. and three. They uh, lost their first two Big West games to UC Irvine right before New Year's Day. Uh, and since then, they are 18-1. and one. At one point, they had won uh, 13 in a row. And now uh, after a loss to UC Riverside, they've won five in a row. But 18 of their last 19, uh, they are, they're playing very, very well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Gauchos win. Uh, I'm going to lean Creighton just because I live here. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I got to be a little bit of a homer, but it would not at all surprise me if Santa Barbara won this game. There's very, there are very few potential outcomes in this game that you could tell me happened and that I would find surprising. Um <laughs> So I'll, I'll take Creighton in a close one just because, um, you know, I don't want to be booed out of town. <laughs> Most famous UC Santa Barbara alum, at least in sports media. Do you know who I'm, who I'm thinking of? I don't know who you're thinking of, actually. Jim Rome. Oh. So if anyone listens to Jim Rome, I haven't listened to him in a very long time. But Jim Rome is probably going to be pumping up the Gauchos this week. Yeah, and he's, <laughs> he's got every right to, man. Like I said, 18 out of 19, they're they're playing, you know, you want your teams to be playing well this time of year. And there's certainly, that's what they're doing. Yeah. All right. We've got Virginia in our next matchup as the four seed taking on the winners of the Mac 13 Ohio. And truthfully, Andrew, I was expecting a different team to come out of the Mac from Ohio. I was really thinking we we're going to see Toledo or Akron. I was really impressed with both those teams. In fact, probably pick Toledo in this matchup if Toledo had go run through the Mac and won the Mac. Ohio was maybe the fourth or fifth best team in the Mac this year. This feels like a pretty easy Virginia pick for me. You know, I would agree with you. The one question mark I have, and I'm going to have the same thing about Kansas, and I don't know if they'll release it, but when um, you know Virginia had to leave, withdraw from the ACC tournament, uh, due to COVID issues and perhaps contract trace contact tracing, they'll have enough guys available to play 
but you know, you don't know who might have to sit out. Um, you know, it's still probably Virginia, but um, you know, Jason Preston is a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, he went off for, I think 22 points in the Mac title game last night. And uh, you know, he's a guy who's got high usage. Uh, he shoots the free throw. He does, he gets, to, he doesn't get to the line much, um, but he, he's got a high assist rate. He's 10th. Uh, in the country in assist rate. Um, you know, he's a good defensive rebounder as well, uh, running the point for uh, the Bobcats and Jeff Bowles, who's come over from uh, Sacred Heart, I think. I think he was at Sacred Heart first and then moved along. He used to be an assistant at Ohio State, so he's back in Ohio. And, um, you know, they pushed Illinois uh, very early on in the year. They lost by two uh, in Champaign. That's right. And, uh, you know, they've got a guy who can take it over. You, you know, you're, I, th- I think you're probably right with Virginia. You know, they're still the defending national champs. But, um, you know, which guys they have available are some of their key guys going to have to sit? Um, you know, and they're just another team that they went through a swoon um, towards late February. They lost three in a row. Florida State was understandable, but they got run out of the gym. But then they lost at Duke uh, and NC State at home and uh, just looked out of sorts. And uh, even their last couple of wins, beat Miami, beat Louisville, and then needed that three-point shot uh, from the freshman Beekman to beat Syracuse in Thursday's ACC quarterfinals. Uh, or, yeah, the quarterfinals. And, uh, you know, they've just looked out of sorts. And, um, you know, this isn't necessarily a vintage Virginia team. They, they got run out of the gym by Gonzaga and struggled against San Francisco. Uh, still probably enough talent and, you know, they're still the defending champs and still somebody knocks them off. But uh, I think this could be a closer game than people might uh, initially, might initially look at. Uh, they, you know, they play pretty good ball in the Mac. You mentioned Toledo and Akron, uh, Buffalo as well. And Ohio being maybe the fourth uh, best team in that conference, but they're, they're no slouch. And uh, that pr- Jason Preston, that's a name to, to keep in mind when uh, you watch, sit down those first round games. Uh, it looks like that game is going to be on, Saturday. So when you sit down on Saturday and watch that, keep the name Jason Preston in mind. I think you're still having nightmares from that uh, Michigan Ohio game from 2012. Yeah. Clark Kellogg's kid, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that could very well be. There's no, be I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Ohio could be. They're tough, and they props to them for winning the MAC. That's an impre- impressive accomplishment. But we'll move on to uh, the six eleven matchup. Now we do have another play-in game that's between Wichita State and Drake. You alluded to that one. USC will be awaiting the winner of that game. What do you think? Uh, Evan Mobley is fun to watch, man. He is so talented. Uh, he is going to be something else uh, on the next level. Um you know, USC at one point was 18-3. and three. They were another one of those teams that was just on the outer fringes of the top 10, uh, top 15, and then all of a sudden they, uh, man, let me tell you, they, you know, they lost uh, three or four at one stretch. Uh, they needed a jump shot at the buzzer the only time they led to beat UCLA uh, <clears throat> at the end of the regular season and just, you know, needed overtime to beat Utah. Uh, and then lost to Colorado. But, I mean, you know, there are very few teams in the country who 
will be able to put somebody on the floor that can guard Evan Mobley. I mean, he's seven feet, 215. He's going to be a lottery pick in the NBA. Uh, there's some guys who think he should go number two, uh, maybe number three. Um, but really talented guys can carry you a long way. And I think, uh, I think while I think Wichita State and Drake will be an entertaining uh, first four game, I don't think either of those teams are going to have somebody that can physically defend Mobley. And I think uh, it'll be USC moving on here. Yeah, I'm with you on this. And Anthony Franz, our friend, points out here in the comments, not a believer in Drake. Injuries have killed him. USC over Wichita State, easy. Good job, Anthony. We're siding with you. We move to the uh, next one, and that's a 314 matchup. Kansas, who really... You mentioned Kansas. Uh, what's going to happen with them? Who could they potentially be without for the first weekend with this whole COVID situation? Are they going to be fine to play? Are, is, is Kansas going to show up? All valid questions. But Kansas, who really came on strong over the last month after they went through a rough patch around January time, Kansas will be playing the winners of the Big Sky Eastern Washington in a three fourteen matchup. Uh, the Eagles. I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of the Big Sky of the semifinals. Or I watched the, the championship last night, but uh, they they can shoot the three. They're uh, they get up and down the floor, and uh, you know they're 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 fun to watch. That that game last night was thoroughly entertaining. Um, you know, and again, it's just going to be you know who is Kansas have available because they left behind David. Uh, David McCormick, and I'm trying to remember, uh, it was Oshayak Baji, I think, who uh, were unable to, didn't even make the trip to Kansas City for the peg, for the Big 12 tournament. And, uh, you know, then they had others, um, you know, now they, they couldn't play again. And uh, so who do they have available? And, you know, the NCAA has said all you need is five guys to start. Um, so they'll have their five guys. Um, but which five guys? But yeah, y- you hope that they can put a full roster out there because they got it figured out. You know, they beat Texas Tech. They they had a game they could have beaten Texas in overtime. Uh, you know, then handed Baylor its first loss. Uh, they struggled against UTEP, kind of a, a come down game after beating Baylor, and uh, you know then they beat Oklahoma. So they're playing at the right. They're playing well at the right time. They've gone from twelve and seven to twenty and eight, and uh, you just hope that you hope. First and foremost, everybody's healthy and, and, you know, no ill effects, but that they then can put a full, put a full team out there because uh, it's a team that's playing well at the right time and uh, could, you know, could make a run um, if, if given the opportunity. Are you taking the upset here, Andrew? Nah, I'll go with Kansas. Um, You know, this is of course subject to change. If you find out that uh, three of their starters won't be playing, I suppose, but uh, I'll still take Kansas. I think, you know, Bill Self, um, you know, they don't lose first round matchups at all. So uh, I think still too much talent for Eastern Washington, but I think it could be a game that Eastern Washington hangs around for a while, like final score, maybe 15 or so. But I, I think you could see the Eagles keep it a single digit game as we get into 10 minutes left to go in the second half. Yeah, I'm also riding with the Jayhawks. I'm actually quite high on the Jayhawks, assuming everything's good. And by the way, this podcast is fluid because we could get some news over the next couple of days that changes some stuff. So our, I'm sure I'm going to go back and forth on some of these matchups, some of these picks. Uh, I'll 
going to probably be changing some up, stuff up through Thursday. But this is our first look here. And just given our broad look here, I'll go Kansas as well. 7-10 matchups, a lot of fun. We got Oregon and VCU. Yeah, uh, Bones Highland, man. The, the player of the year in the Atlantic 10 for VCU. I know they came up a little bit short uh, against St. Bonaventure earlier today. Um, but, uh, you know, they've they've gone from – they're springboarded from their success 10 years ago when they reached the Final Four, and that program Shaka. has just kept, just kept humming along. And uh, now Mike Rhodes in charge. And, uh, you yeah, have Bones Highland. Uh, your first name's really Nishan, but goes by the nickname of Bones. And uh, love that. You know, he, he he makes them go as as a sophomore, 6'3", 173, uh, 86% from the uh, free throw line. He also shoots uh, 37% from three. Um, you know, he is just kind of the all sort of do everything, and he makes them go uh, as the shooting guard. And um, you know they're they're fun to watch. They they got a win over Memphis early on. They beat Utah State to open the season, um, so they they've got some wins. Again, they you know they 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 had a little bit of a a COVID pause as well, I think. And Highland had a foot injury, um, and they lost two of their last three in the regular season, uh, but rebounded, winning a couple of games in the A10 tournament before falling today. Um, you know, but Oregon. I'm interested to see what you think about the Ducks, the uh, you know Pac-12 regular season champs, uh, 14 and four, and uh, you know they had a long pause. They they went uh, weeks without playing games, and for a while they were thought to be well going to be well under seeded because they didn't have as many games. They finished with 18 Pac-12 games, so they they snuck in there, um, and they got uh, you know transfer Eugene Omarui from uh, Rutgers. Uh, who's played really well for them. Also, LJ Figueroa, who transferred from St. John's. So a couple of transfers along with Chris Duarte, who's got them going. And, uh, you know, if you didn't watch a lot of the Pac-12 games, if you didn't stay up late on Thursday nights to listen to Bill Walton and Dave Pash wax poetic on (laughs) anything and everything, uh, you might have missed this Oregon team. But they're a team that could make a surprising run, I feel like. I agree. I like Oregon quite a bit. Uh, Really, last year, they were, I can't remember where we were looking at them as a seed, but probably like a three or a four seed, maybe. If there was a tournament last year, they had a really good squad with Peyton Pritchard. They lose Peyton Pritchard, who is their best player last year. And they had a great regular season that was not talked about enough. I'm riding with the Ducks here. Yeah, yeah, I, I will agree. I, I like to, uh, normally I like to, you know, consider the mid-majors having, having gone to Valpo and all yeah. that good stuff. But, uh, and Bones is a good player, but I, I, I think the, the Ducks, lean the Ducks here. <laughs> and then finally, speaking of mid-majors, if you want to look at, I'll give you this, if you want to look at what could be the lowest seed to win a game in this tournament, I would say this potentially... Now, hear me out here. I'm not picking the Grand Canyon Antelopes led by Bryce Drew, but Bryce has been known for March moments for almost 25 years now. He had him when he played, and he's done a good job of getting his teams to the March to into March. He hasn't won a game in March yet. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be his first victory, but the fact that he took GCU who just went D1 
a few years ago. I mean, this may have been their first year that they were eligible to make the tournament to play postseason basketball. Now, I don't. You could argue also if it was right for Dan Marley to have gotten fired from that job last year. Bryce Drew's a great coach. He put together a really good season with this Grand Canyon team. Only lost four games. Now, I like Iowa a lot, just a little more in this particular instance. I think Iowa is a really good team, but don't be surprised if this one comes down to the wire and this is the shocker of the weekend. That's what I will say. You know, uh, shouts to to Bryce Drew, who has the same alma mater that both of both you and I have. Uh, he's a Valpo grad as well. Now his third team that he's coached in the NCAA tournament, he took Valpo uh, as well as Vanderbilt and now Grand Canyon. Um, as Bjorn Midgard, uh, I apologize if I pronounce that incorrectly. but Sounds got, good. I like it. He's got a little bit of size, 7 feet, uh, 270. You know, very rarely will you see mid-major teams who have somebody that can match the size of Luca Garza. Now, I don't know if he's going to be able to match the skill of Garza, but, um, you know, he's got a little bit of size. Uh, you know, the the Hawkeyes, uh, if the threes are going, I mean, they can they can go a long way because, you know, they're, they're multifaceted. Luca, uh, the, he's going to be the player of the year probably. And, uh, you know, if they can get their guys like uh, Wieskamp and others to, to be draining their three-pointers, uh, they can go a long way. Uh, you know, this is a game that could, I, I think you're right, could be close for uh, – a fair amount of time, uh, but I'm not. I'm not going to bet against Luca Garza. Uh, no, won't do that. But again, shouts to Bryce Drew. Um, you know, now three schools that he's taken to the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, Scott may get to a Final Four first, but I feel like uh, in the t- in the family bragging rights, yeah, you took one team to a Final Four. I've taken three to the NCAA tournament. It's got to be worth something. Um, and yeah, you know, in his first year at Grand Canyon to get them into the NCAA tournament for the first time in school history. Uh, good for him. He'll be returning, you know, to his home state of Indiana and, uh, it should be an entertaining game. I, I, you know, the Hawkeyes have all the talent in the world. If they can, you know, put it together and, and keep it going, they've been playing better defense as of late. Uh, at one point they were above a hundred in defense. And, uh, since then, um, you know, the most points they've allowed, well, they gave up 82 to Illinois yesterday, but before then it was 73 in a stretch. Um, so they're playing better defensively. They've, they've got it going on, and uh, I'm not going to bet against Luca Garza. <laughs> All right, Andrew. So now taking a look at this region as a whole, and we only have so much time, so we're going to be precise here. But uh, what is what do you have that's notable happening in this region? I guess I can give you mine first. I got the Gauchos going to the Sweet 16. Like that's a that's a sleeper. I got 12 seed going there. Other than that, I got a lot of chalk. I got Gonzaga going up against Kansas in the Elite Eight, uh, a little rematch there. And I picked Gonzaga on our preseason college basketball pod to win the whole thing. I'm concerned though. I really want to see it. I'd love to see Coach Powell also, who was on that Illinois team that went to the championship game, which we'll talk about Illinois later. And he coached at Valpo. I'd love to see him get a ring. I love Gonzaga, but the fact that they haven't lost yet makes me nervous. And going into a potential rematch with Kansas, who might not even play in the NCAA tournament for that matter, 
as we speak right now, I got Kansas winning uh, this region, moving to the Final Four. Wow, that I don't I don't think I can top that in terms of uh, <laughs> surprises. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm I, that's that's brave. I'm not. I don't think I'm brave enough. Gonzaga is just so talented. Um, you know, it, it depends if they get a rematch with Virginia, excuse me, if, uh, Virginia upends either Creighton or the Gauchos in the second, in the second round, excuse me. Um, you know, it will be interesting to see how these teams that played Gonzaga the first time fare again, because as we pointed out, uh, Kansas, Iowa, Virginia have all played the Zags already. Um, would any of them fare better the second time? Uh, it will certainly be be interesting to see. Um, I, I'm not as brave as you are. I, I will take. <laughs> I will take. I will take Gonzaga. Uh, I will seriously consider having USC over Kansas in the second round. Um, I don't think that uh, Kansas has somebody the size of Mobley. Um, I don't Great know whether US, I don't know whether USC has enough talent around Evan Mobley. Um, unless you know, I don't know if he can score fifty against Kansas. Uh, he may have to. Um, but that, that's one I would seriously consider. Um, I would like to see Iowa get to the lead eight. I don't know if they could beat Gonzaga the second time, uh, if they faced him a second time. Um, you know, Luca Gars is a likable guy and, uh, it would be nice to see him kind of cap his career that way. Uh, if Kansas gets past USC, um, and you know, they could very easily beat Iowa. I think the, if the chalk holds up, I think Gonzaga, Virginia, and Iowa, Kansas would be very, very entertaining matchups in the Sweet 16. All right, so you're riding with the chalk for the most part here. I'll, I'll ride with the chalk now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I will. I will get off the chalk lines later, but for now, for now, we'll stick nice and chalky. <laughs> well, we're going to bring in producer Smitty. Uh, what do you think about this region at large, Nate? I mean, it's hard to argue against Gonzaga. Um, you guys kind of articulated, uh, but I mean, they beat a lot of teams by double digits this year. Um, you know, beating Iowa, Kansas, and Virginia—all of good teams in this tournament by double di- by double digits this year uh, before conference play. Uh, but one thing to look out for Gonzaga: the one team, one notable team that they struggled with a little bit was West Virginia. Um, granted, they're not playing them in this round, but I'm just saying that style, right? In your face scrappy force you out of your comfort zone type teams those are the type of teams i think that could could give gonzaga a hard time um are they in this first in this region um probably not you're probably not going to get one of those teams that are good enough offensively too um (laughs) to keep them out of the final four um you know, just reading up on Santa Barbara, it sounds like they're a very scrappy team, uh, one of the best defensive teams in the country. So, uh, as far as like an early upset, I I think I think Santa Barbara is going to beat Creighton with some of the issues that they have going on, um, and possibly getting past Virginia as well, because uh, I know Virginia is going through some issues. Um, two really good defensive teams there, so um, possible Sweet Sixteen berth for Santa Barbara, um, but. We will see. That's that's probably my biggest hot take. Other other than that, um, I actually really like Oregon. Uh, I think they are just a veteran team, uh, a lot of experience on a team, a lot of scorers. Um, you know, you don't hear as you guys said, you don't you don't watch a lot of Pac-12 basketball because they're out they're out west and we're here in the Midwest. But um, you know, they they did a good job down the stretch, and they have some they have some really talented veteran leadership there. So. Um, Look at that—a uh, potential matchup with uh, 
Oregon, Iowa, which I'm looking forward to. And I think Oregon's going to beat Iowa in a close one, um, setting up for Kansas, Oregon to go to uh, the Elite Eight, which I think that'll be that'll be a great matchup. 100%. Thank you, Nate. Uh, anything else you want to add on this region? I don't think so. Other than right. you did say that uh, Luca Garza is likable, which that's that's tough. <laughs> fair. That's fair. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> all right. Good stuff, Nate. All right. We're already somehow 40 minutes into the stream, so we're going to have to somehow work faster. We'll do the best that we can here. We got the bottom left, the east region coming up. Andrew Stems, Michigan Wolverine, securing that one seed, even though they've been playing a little poorly lately. They're going to take on the winner of Mount St. Mary versus Texas Southern. Yeah. Um, you know, Texas, I don't know if you want Michigan analysis first. Uh, <laughs> Isaiah Livers got hurt, and he's, you know, one of their senior leaders. Um, you know, they called it a stress injury. Speculation that's a stress fracture. His season may be over. He, I don't know. Um, you know, he's certainly someone uh, who's open behind the line, and that changes what they want to do offensively. And if you watched their game against Ohio State yesterday for about the first 30 minutes, they looked awfully out of sorts. Um, but Hunter Dickinson, I think few teams, at least especially those at the mid-major level, the you know the, the Mount St. Mary's of the Texas Southern, uh, will struggle to match uh, Hunter Dickinson or Franz Wagner, um, you know, a couple of NBA guys eventually down the road here. Um so I think Michigan will move on pretty comfortably in that first game. I am kind of intrigued by this uh, first four matchup. Uh, you know, Texas Southern out of the SWAC. Uh, they, they um, you know, uh, Johnny Jones, now their head coach. It was Mike Davis for a little while. Uh, they remember when Valpo made their NIT run. They Texas Southern was the first opponent that Valpo played. Um, and, you know, they, they've had a good year, uh, a pretty high record. Uh, 16 and eight uh, for that team. Um, so, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Texas Southern win that game um, and, you know, then move on to face Michigan. But uh, I think ultimately, uh, you know, like I said earlier, some people were afraid that they might slot App State into that game uh, just to see if the uh, NCAA basketball committee has a sense of humor after what happened in football <laughs> 13, 14 years ago. But, uh, <laughs> Thankfully for me, they avoided that, and uh, I think Michigan, whoever they end up facing, will move on pretty comfortably to the second round. <laughs> Good stuff. And my sister, Laura Vita, she asks a great question here, Andrew, and we might have to count them, but how many Texas teams are in the tournament this year? Seems I think, like a lot. I think I saw seven. Wow. Uh, I, Smitty's going to check my math on this, I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, I saw, because we got... Texas, Texas Tech, uh, Abilene Christian, um, Texas Southern um, is four. Let's see. Uh, Smitty can probably do this. Houston is five. Uh, Smitty can probably do this faster than I can. But I think the number I, I think that North Texas, I think the number I saw was seven, uh, which is pretty impressive. Uh, you know, to have so many of those teams from that one state make it. Uh, says a lot about the basketball that was played, the quality of basketball that was played in Texas this year. Um, yeah. Did you say Baylor? Baylor, of course, Baylor is the one I missed. Yeah. Guess who corrected you? Your sister. Yeah, that sounds about right. 
she's at least at least one of them at least one of us in the family is on top of things uh, yeah so she's got houston she's got baylor yeah so i think the number seven uh smitty i think is you know hopefully counting but i think seven <laughs> thanks for the great question we're right with seven that sounds good and uh you know yeah laura's got a lot of a lot of texas pride being on there at tcu oh yes yes for sure now the next one, this is really interesting to me. I think both of these teams, raw deal here. St. Bonaventure wins the A-10, really good conference. They're a nine seed. LSU went on quite the run over the past week. And by the way, Andrew, I really feel like we haven't talked about, at least I haven't talked about LSU a whole lot on this podcast. They haven't been on my radar all that much. What? I came out of this weekend, the SEC tournament. One of my main takeaways was we've been talking about Alabama and Arkansas. LSU looks like they're right there with those guys. I feel like LSU as an eight seed, this is one of an undervalued team, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, certainly played well. Uh, you know, they you talked about, we hadn't talked about them a whole lot. They started out pretty pretty well they were opened up six and one then they you know they got to 10 and two and i think we're another one of those teams i feel like there's been about 10 of them that reached somewhere between you know 12 and 17 in the rankings and then kind of then they lost four out of five they got blown out by alabama uh then they lost at kentucky when kentucky was struggling uh then they won a few in a row lost a few in a row but they seem to have put it together Although it's interesting, you know they, they beat Mississippi State, beat Ar- or beat Mississippi and beat Arkansas. Uh, some close games. Uh, they aren't blowing teams out, but offensively, you know they are one of the top offenses. Uh, they're fifth in offensive efficiency according to Ken Pomeroy uh, and his statistics. Cameron Thomas, Trendon Watford. Uh, Watford made I think three or four three pointers in the SEC championship game today from near the SEC logo. Uh, he has, you know, that people like to say in the gym range and, uh, he, he fires from a lot of different places, uh, coached by Will Wade. Uh, you know, they're really good offensively. What will be interesting defense is kind of their bugaboo. Uh, they're 125th in defensive efficiency. Um, so, you know, you get a team with really good offense and not great defense and how do they fare? Uh, and then you look at St. Bonaventure, who's, now 17th in defense and 38th in offense. So can, you know, the 17th defense shut out the number five offense. And then conversely, can, you know, the 38 offense score enough uh, against that LSU defense that struggles a little bit to stop teams sometimes. Uh, so that'll, that'll kind of be that matchup. And it, it should be as, as we highlight kind of all these eight, nine games, it should be thoroughly entertaining, but uh, could very easily be, uh, you know, if seating had turned out a little bit different, two teams that could have opted, you know, both bet on the seven line. Uh, I'd seen places where people had LSU as high as a six. Um, so these are definitely teams who I think will feel a little bit like they're both underseeded. I think this LSU team could be a little bit like that Kentucky team from 2014. That was an eight seed, undervalued, could make a run here. If they're able to get past Michigan in round two, which could be a great game. There's a path for them to get to the final four because you know, I'm looking ahead. I'm looking at, you know, could they beat Colorado? Yes, I, I would favor them against Colorado or Florida State. I would favor them against Florida State. Alabama potentially in the Elite Eight rematch. That's a coin flip game. If they can win that game against Michigan, and similarly for Michigan, I think if Michigan can get through 
that first weekend and start to rebuild that momentum, I think there's a really good chance that the winner of that Michigan LSU game ends up actually being a fi- the final four team out of this region. Yeah, I think we'll touch on it here when we get to to Illinois. And I don't know if the matchups would have been similar uh, even if they hadn't, but for a long time, it looked like Michigan was going to be the third number one seed and Illinois was the fourth. And given the way the two teams closed, Illinois passed them. And I would say that Illinois' path to the final four is infinitely more difficult than Michigan's. Um, you know, that's not to say that Michigan will get to the final four and Illinois will not. But uh, when we get to that Midwest region and kind of look at the potential hurdles that Illinois is going to have to face, um, you know, I, I think their path is more difficult. And uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see, um, you know, that that Michigan game, uh, should it be Michigan LSU, you know, Michigan, a top 10 defense, LSU, a top five offense, uh, you know, kind of who's going to win out in that offense defense sort of thing uh, will be very interesting to watch. Very interesting. So Colorado five, 12 Georgetown, Georgetown goes on that great run, really an incredible story with Patrick Ewing taking that team to the tournament following the death of John Thompson and for them to get back win four straight days, which is what every low seed in a tournament dreams of in a conference tournament dreams of really an incredible story. Unfortunately, I got to say, I like Colorado in this game because I watched, I watched both these teams throughout the whole season. I was more impressed with Colorado over the course of the season, but I guess there is a case because Georgetown is hot. Yeah. McKinley Wright is a spectacular player, does a little bit of everything for, for Colorado. And, you know, they came up a little bit short against Oregon state last night. We'll, we'll touch on the Beavers when we get to them and kind of their spectacular run through the, the Pac 12 tournament. But, uh, you know, I think as a whole, if you watched a lot of Pac 12 basketball, the team that you enjoyed the most was, um, or the team that looked the best was Colorado. Like we, we've talked yeah, about Oregon. I second that. We, we've talked about Oregon. Um, you know, we talked about USC and their talented players. But if you spend a lot of time watching Pac-12 basketball, uh, you know, I, I think the team that you would think was the best team was Colorado. And uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. A great run for Georgetown. Um, you know, winning those four games in four days, and hopefully uh, Patrick Ewing will never get stopped inside the uh, Madison Square Garden again uh, by people not knowing who he is. I mean, his photo, his photo has to be plastered all over the building. Um, you know, they've won six of their last seven, including the, those four in a row. And, and really to, to knock off Villanova, to kind of end Seton Hall's at-large bid, and then to beat Creighton in the way that they did last night. Uh, it was a game Creighton was ahead 13 to six early and Georgetown took the lead, just went on a huge run and, and, and pulled away. And Javon Blair, uh, you know, they do have a cup, they do have three seniors uh, and Blair kind of leads that bunch um, and really a testament to them getting back to the, the NCAA tournament after, especially after Mac McClung and a couple other guys transferred out of the program last year, uh, a testament to them, a really good story. Uh, but I, I think you're right. I think the, I think the run ends against Colorado. Yeah, I think so too. And they're if they were playing that NCAA tournament game today, maybe maybe I'd stick with Georgetown to just keep winning every single day. But it, or, or if they're playing in the Garden, if the NCAA yeah. tournament were being played at Madison Square Garden, like I, I would not bet against Georgetown in the Garden. But uh, <laughs> you, you know, now uh, somewhere in Indianapolis or uh, outlying Indiana, I, uh, I I think Colorado's the play here. 
<laughs> now, Florida State as a four seed against UNC Greensboro, a 13 seed, which another connection to the Valparaiso program. You know this correct connection, Andrew? Uh, I don't off the top of my head. Former Valpo assistant who played at North Carolina on the 2005 team that beat Illinois in the national title game, Jackie Manuel. Jackie Manuel, he actually came over. He coached at UNC Greensboro for a while, and now he's actually over with, I think he's with the actually the women's program at UNC Wilmington now. But uh, really awesome guy, Jackie Manuel. Greensboro, Wilmington, both those teams always seem to be really good in terms of mid-majors, teams that find their way into this tournament. Admittedly, I didn't see anything from them this season aside from their conference title game, which I was impressed in that game that I watched. They're playing Florida State, to tell the truth. I'm not extremely high on the ACC this year. Do you see anything here in this UNC-Greensboro game? You know, Greensboro, uh, they've been under Wes Miller, uh, one of the the top mid-major schools here for the last few years. And, you know, they finally get their chance in the NCAA tournament. They'd come close a couple times. There was a couple years ago where people thought they might have an outside shot um, yeah. at, an at, at an at-large bid. Um, and, you know, it's it's the tournament's all about matchups. And, unfortunately, I don't think, and uh, you know, could certainly be proven wrong, but I don't think that Florida State is the best matchup for them because Leonard Hamilton's team, uh, they bring size. You know, they, they you start 6'9", 6'5", 6'8", 7'1", 6'5". They bring 6'4", 6'6", 6'6", and 7'2", off the bench. Um, you know, they've just got a lot of size. That's what Leonard Hamilton likes to do. He recruits, you know, big athletic guys. And, uh, you know, I think – you know, Florida State's been a hard team to figure out. They started out well. Um, they had that, that big win over Florida, uh, you know, but then they then they went on pause for a little while. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of like Michigan, kind of a tailspin coming out of it. They've lost three of their last five. Uh, hard to know which way they're going to get. They looked – they had moments where they looked really good against Georgia Tech, and then they, you know, turned the ball over 25 times. And you can't do that in the NCAA tournament. Um I do like Florida State here, but if you know, if you were to say NC Greensboro wins the game, I wouldn't at all be surprised. Yeah, I think this is one of the potential upsets that we could see. I think I'll go with Greensboro. Are they the Hornets or is that Wilmington? Uh, Wilmington or the Seahawks? Greensboro is the Spartans. Spartans. Well, I don't know why I was thinking Hornets. Oh, maybe Charlotte because North Carolina. I, I I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Don't listen to me on this game, guys. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> All right, and then the next one, we got our 6-11 matchup. Now, Michigan State, as I alluded to, they're going to have to play their way in and beat UCLA. I think that's a coin flip game. I could really see it going either way. BYU gets a six seed. Uh, Seems a little high considering some of these other schools like Loyola Chicago. I thought maybe they'd be higher than an eight seed. Uh, But uh, what are your thoughts, Andrew? Yeah, uh, I think you're. I think you're right. Um, you know, I will lean Michigan State, which uh, you know, people who know me and know my rooting interest might be a little <laughs> bit surprised to hear that. Um, but you know, Tom Izzo gets his team playing well at the end of the year, and they they struggled figuring it out. They were they were a team who was really hurt by 
one of those COVID pauses. At one point, they had lost seven of nine, uh, and it stretched to nine of 13. Um, but, you know, they're playing better of late, and they have, you know, as good a collection of wins. Granted, they all came at the Breslin Center, but wins over Illinois, Ohio State, and Michigan uh, in a couple of weeks span. And, uh, you know, UCLA finished going the wrong way. Uh, the Bruins at one point looked like they were going to win the, the Pac-12 regular season title. Uh, they were 13-3. and three. They've lost four in a row. Uh, and except for, you know, you know the, they led USC the whole way and then lost on a jump shot buzzer at the end, but then lost to Oregon State in overtime. They just haven't looked good. Um, after they looked so good through the first two months of Pac-12 play, they just seem to have kind of fallen apart, and you don't know which – team is going to show up. So uh, I'll lean Michigan state here. I, it should be a close game. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if UCLA won, but you know, you know, being a big 10 guy um, and, and now that they're not playing Michigan, I don't have to worry about it. I, I, I'll root for Michigan state. I, you know, I, I like, uh, you know, uh, rocket Watts, uh, Aaron Henry, those guys have kind of come on as late. Um, you know, they, they struggle a little bit with guys with big post presence. I think, um, you know, Michigan state doesn't, that doesn't necessarily have a bunch of, of, you know, solid post defenders, but UCLA runs a little bit small. And I think that plays kind of right into what uh, Izzo wants to do. Um, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised. You, you mentioned you, BYU perhaps being a little bit overseeded. I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if the winner of that first four game, you know, there's, there's the stretch. I think uh, this is another one of those. We're going to have Smitty check and make sure. Um, that I'm not talking out of, uh, you know, both sides of my mouth or what have you, but I'm pretty sure that, uh, the stretch is gone that every year that there's a team that's won the first four, then they turn around and won, uh, one of those first round games, uh, or at yeah, least, I think that's least, right. I think you're right at, on that. At least, was... So, so of, you know, looking at the matchups of Wichita state and Drake versus USC or Michigan state, UCLA versus BYU. I think it's much more likely that the winner of this game beats BYU. Um, you know, BYU's a solid team. Uh, you know, Matt Harms transferred there uh, from Purdue, uh, and he gets some play. Uh, they've just kind of been quiet. Uh, they lost to USC. They lost to Boise State. They lost all three of their matchups to Gonzaga. Like, they beat Utah State. Um, they beat San Diego State, which is probably their best win. So I guess that's what you hang your hat on. Um, nothing remarkable, nothing spectacular. They just kind of keep going about their business uh, under Mark Pope. But uh, could be one of those teams we didn't touch on a lot of seating, but could be uh, a little bit overseeded. Yeah, I think so too. I pretty much am just want to wait and see who wins that first four game, and then I'm probably going to pick them. So I could, and I could see UCLA winning that game too, for that matter. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm just, you know. I'll be a little bit of a Big Ten homer and, and lean Michigan <laughs> State. My brother-in-law went to Michigan State. A lot of my cousin went to Michigan State. A lot of friends and family who root for Michigan State. So, uh, you know, I, I like family gatherings. I don't want to be booed out of them. So I'll, I'll pick the Spartans here. <laughs> All right. Now, a very intriguing interstate of Texas matchup in this three fourteen. Abilene Christian. I, I think this is their second time making the NCAA tournament. I could be wrong on that. Is either the first or second team, second time. Anthony Franz texted me before we went on. He says he he likes the Wildcats in this one. He, this is his big upset. You know, uh, as a resident of Texas, I don't think that there are too many people who know Texas basketball better than our our friend Anthony. So <laughs> if, if he says that, 
I'll be inclined to consider it. You know, they're one of the, you know, they're one of the top mid majors in the country this year. They, uh, and they do it because they defend, uh, they're top 30 in defensive efficiency. Um, you know, they played Texas tech close in December. Uh, they started out with a really impressive win over East Tennessee state. Uh, they played three games in four days at a tournament in Florida. Uh, and they rolled East Tennessee state, Austin P and, uh, one of the hometown teams here at the university of Nebraska at Omaha. Um, they played Arkansas relatively close. Like I said, they lost to Texas Tech by seven, lost to Arkansas by 13 a couple of days, a few days before Christmas. Uh, and for the most part, kind of rolled through the Southland. They were 13 and two um, and looked really impressive in their two Southland Conference tournaments win. They beat Lamar by 22, and then they rolled Nickel State last night uh, by 34. Um, so, yeah, uh, they may struggle a little bit offensively. Um, they, you know, they're, they're about mid of the pack in offense, but they're top 30 in defense. Uh, and if you can play defense in the NCAA tournament, we've talked about this on other podcasts and kind of grind out those games. Um, you know, you got a shot to win and, you know, you, you never really know what you're going to get from Texas. The, the Longhorns have been up and they have been down. Um, you know, they get a three seed, but they're only, they're behind BYU and St. Bonaventure, uh, in Ken Pomeroy's uh, overall efficiency margin, uh, they're just 26th in overall efficiency margin. Um, you know they had it going at one point. They've now won uh, five in a row. They, it was an impressive win over Oklahoma State. They grinded out one against Texas Tech in the Big 12 semifinals, and uh, or I guess it was the quarterfinals, and then they moved on to the final. Um, so you know they they went through a swoon. I feel like we've said this about a lot of teams, and then they right. kind of turned it around. Uh, you know, so, but I guess in that time, a couple of those wins were over Iowa state and TCU, uh, no offense to Laura's alma mater or her school, but, uh, they struggled a little bit in basketball this year. So, you know, how many, how, how much of those wins can you take at face value? We'll see. But, uh, if Anthony says Texas, uh, could be ripe for an upset, uh, you know, I won't disagree with him necessarily. I'm not sure I would pick Abilene Christian, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if, you know, this is one of those games you're, you're sitting if there, if it's a Friday afternoon game, you get an alert with five minutes to go that it's a five, six point game. That would not surprise me at all. Yeah, I'm really split on this one. I could see it going either way to tell the truth. Uh, what the heck? I'll go with the upset here. I'll go with Abilene Christian. It's, it's fun. And I don't really have Texas. Uh, the furthest I would have Texas going would be to the Sweet 16, which would be a great story for them with Andrew Jones and Shaka and all of that. And I'd love to see that. Like Either way, whatever happens is going to be a feel-good story coming out of this game just to see Texas kind of coming back as a program because they haven't won in March in a little while. And uh, But I, I don't have anyone in this part of the bracket beating Alabama. So I'll pick Abilene Christian for fun here. Okay. That works for me. <laughs> Oh, Laura addressed your comment here. We can Uh-oh. we can show that one. <laughs> you you apologized about she, the she, Texas. She'll root for anyone over Texas. I I get that. <laughs> She's rooting for Abilene Christian. <laughs> All right. So the final pair of matchups in this region, and we're gonna have to somehow get through it an entire other half of this bracket. Uh, but we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll move as as fast as we can here. UConn and Maryland. UConn uh, was looking pretty good up to that Creighton loss the other night. I was actually hanging out with Albert, who's been on this podcast, and one of his friends, Steve, 
in Tampa the other night and we were sitting down at a bar watching the game and Steve is a big UConn fan and he was very confident, very confident about this game to the point that he may have made some type of a financial investment that UConn would win this game. And uh, I did not end up seeing Steve after the game ended. We took off around halftime. Uh, I, I apologize to Steve. I, I think he's having a rough time. But UConn coming back into the Big East this year, really making a nice run um, this season as a resurgent year for the program. It had been a while since we've been talking about UConn basketball. I think UConn basketball is back. I'm going to take them over the Maryland Terrapins in this matchup. Now, James Booknight is healthy. Um, you know, that that loss to Creighton was, I think, only the third time that uh, UConn has lost when Booknight's been healthy. They're, they're spectacular with him, uh, including they got wins over US, uh, win over USC, which is a really, really good win. Uh, and he got hurt for a little while, and they went through – uh, a struggle in late January and early February, but uh, they have won six, five of their past six, uh, playing much better. Uh, I do think Maryland's an interesting matchup for them. Um, you know, the, the Terrapins uh, with Daryl Morzell, the D- Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, uh, Eric Ayala, Aaron Wiggins, uh, those guys. Um, it will be an interesting game. Uh, this is, you know, kind of what you want. This is your sort of typical 10-7-10 game. And uh, where you feel like it can I- kind of go either way. Um, you know, they, they have a couple of nice wins over Michigan State recently. Um, but, you know, they probably cost their seed at least a line or two, losing Northwestern and Penn State to close out the year. Uh, you know, how do they bounce back? They've lost three of their last four. Uh, I think you're right. I, I would probably lean UConn here. But uh, again, hopefully it's a close game. Uh, you, you know, you want all these games to kind of be close. It <laughs> makes it that much more exciting. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think UConn here. And then finally, we have Alabama and the the MAC AA, M-A-A-C, champions, the Iona Gales, coached by Rick Pitino. I'm still not sure how I feel about that. It's weird that this guy's coaching a team again already. Uh, shout out to him, though. They win, uh, they win the MAC once again. Now, they typically win the Mac. It wasn't like it was something that was really out of left field. Like we're talking about one of these other teams such as Abilene Christian or GCU. But I, I don't think Iona is going to make this interesting. I like Alabama a little too much to, uh, to roll, roll tide, roll, roll through this one. Yeah. Yeah. Herb Jones uh, amongst others. Alabama's a, a really good team, second in the country in defensive efficiency. Um, you know, they, they like to get up and down the floor. They shoot a lot of threes, uh, but they will they will defend you from the second you step on the floor until the, the second the clock hits double zeros in the second half. And uh, if you can play defense, you, you can go a long way in this tournament. Uh, you know, as they get on the later rounds, they might need those three-pointers to fall. Um you know, when you, when you start to get, you know, you, you have to beat good teams. You want to win the national championship, you've got to beat good teams. But when you get into those really kind of upper level uh, teams, you know, you're going to have to be able to score a little bit. Um, and if those threes aren't falling, they might not. I, UConn, Alabama in the second round could be an interesting game. It could be close for a while. Um, but yeah, yeah, too much talent for Alabama here. All right. So taking a look at this as a whole. 
the way I look at this, I, I pretty much I said it already. I think the winner of that Michigan LSU game is going to win this region of the bracket. Now, that doesn't mean Colorado or Bama or Texas or Florida State that I mean, those teams are just teams that you can roll over. I mean, that they're going to be super easy to beat. But I, I just think that, well, again, what we saw at LSU, Michigan, what we've seen them at their highest height, and then Bama, those are the three that I'm mainly watching for. And if it, it might even turn out in Bama's favor if they were to play Michigan rather than LSU again. Yeah, uh, I think this... Looking at it, I think this region has the best sec- potential second round matchups. Uh, you mentioned Michigan, LSU. I think Colorado, Florida State could be a really good one. You know, some combination. I would probably have Michigan State and Texas uh, in that one. And then UConn, Alabama. I think those all have potentials to be really entertaining games. Um, I guess those would be, those are all Saturday games. So first round games. So that, uh, you know, that'd be the Monday. Uh, second round games, those all have the potential to be, um, you know, really exciting. Uh, I saw it was kind of, this is kind of the one region where it seems like at least a lot of the talking heads aren't picking the one seed. Uh, <laughs> some people picked Alabama. Uh, one guy, I think Seth Davis might've picked Texas. Um, That's right. Yeah, he did. You know, so uh, I will conversely, um, you know, no, it's hard. Uh, like Michigan's been good for so long. And but I don't know how they're going to rebound. It's good that they've got a few days off to kind of get their offense figured out and see if they can, you know, kind of gel and and if Liver, Isaiah Livers might be able to come back. Um, and I don't know. I it's just uh, like my heart wants me to pick Michigan to the Final Four. I I, I don't know whether I can do that. Um, I I will tentatively step out on that branch now. Uh, we'll see if my sister yells at me uh, <laughs> here, here while we're doing this. Uh, she. Um, she does. She was not as confident, but uh, I, I think I will lean that direction for now. And uh, a reminder: I don't. I once picked South Carolina to win uh, the 1997 tournament uh, in a bracket pool, and they lost in the first round to Coppin State. So this is probably <laughs> as good a time as any to remind people that they should maybe fade my picks instead of going <laughs> with them. Uh, so, so that lets you know where we are as we're halfway through this bracket. <laughs> and I, I'm going, this is the, uh, really, you know, it's a, it's interesting because we're looking at potentially a non one, but all these teams are coming from power conferences. We're not looking at really a Cinderella in this region, but I, I really think that LSU, I'm going to go with LSU in the final four here, making a run similar to Kentucky of 2014. You could point to, you mentioned South Carolina. It was, was it start? Was it South Carolina that made that run in 2017? Yeah, yeah. When they got when they beat Duke in the second round and got all the way to the Final Four. Yeah, one of those SEC teams, maybe undervalued a little bit, underseeded, making a run. Uh, SEC was pretty good this year. Nate is here, producer Smitty. What do you think? So first of all, I 100 percent think the Charlotte Hornets would beat Florida State. So you're right on there, Jack. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so uh, the first time I really watched LSU was today. I mean, I haven't watched LSU a whole lot, but I also watched St. Bonaventure. Um, they were pretty good today. Um, so I, I guess they are kind of given a, a pretty strong ranking at nine, a nine seed. So. Um, yeah, I mean, probably SEC will prevail there. Uh, but overall, just to speed things along, um, I think 
Izzo gets it done. Uh, I mean, he's he's a fantastic coach. I think they they win uh, the play in and against BYU. Um, but I do have Texas coming from the from the the bottom part of that bracket and Michigan coming down um, with a Texas Michigan matchup to get to the final four. Um, and I actually have Texas upsetting Michigan. Um, a lot of it has to do with Isaiah livers. Um, I mean, that guy uh, is a vet and he's, he's been kind of a key part of that team. Um, that game could go either way, but that's just what I have at this point. Um, but I could see it go either way. I am a big 10 guy, so I would like to see Michigan do it, but um, yeah. Keep her moving. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll bring you back in a second as we talk about your Wisconsin Badgers. It's already 8.53, Andrew. This is unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a lot to say about these games. Like, there's there's 36 first-round games we got to get through, you know, kind of in the first four <laughs> and then the 32 in the first round. And, uh, you know, some – I don't think we have to spend a whole lot of time at least as yeah. we move to the south talking about Baylor and Hartford per se. Um, you <laughs> we'll know, move Baylor, Baylor on. Baylor, Baylor's really good. You know, can, can Scott Drew – uh, they they won their first league title um, since the 1950s uh, this year. Can they winning the regular season Big 12 title? Can they get to the Final Four? Uh, you know they've gotten close a couple of times, lost in the Elite Eight. You know is, is this the year? Um, you know and you know incre- supremely talented. And as as we talk on the region more as a whole, we can we can touch on them. But started out 18 and 0, and then uh, you know they've lost four, two of their past four, which doesn't seem like much. But you know, even coming off of that pause, they, they struggled a little bit. Um, but Jared Butler is really good. Uh, Davion Mitchell, Macy Oteague, they got a lot of guys coming back from a team that would have been a one seed in last year's NCAA tournament had it happened. Um, and you know that probably the favorite to get out of the South, but yeah, we could we can move on. I think it's pretty safe to advance Baylor. <laughs> All right, we'll advance Baylor. Thank you for playing Hartford. Good job uh, winning the America East. America East, right? Yep. Yeah. Good job. All right. Really exciting 8-9 matchup here. And I really think uh, we'll bring Nate in once we get through this bracket or this region. We'll move quickly. But I think Wisconsin Badgers here, this is an experienced team that was a little disappointing this season. They were they played some close games, lost some close games. We discussed how their average the average age of their starting lineup is over 23. It's like 23.4, and a half. It's an experienced older team. We've seen Wisconsin in this spot before. I believe it was either 2017 or 2018. They were in this, uh, they were either a seven seed or they won these eight nine, and they beat Villanova in the. Was it Villanova? They they beat someone, yeah. Yeah, Villanova. It was, was twenty seventeen, the year after Villanova won uh, the first yeah. time. Yeah, it was uh, their surprising run. Uh, you know, Smitty will probably know. I can't remember whether they were a seven seed or a ten, but yeah, they upset second seeded Villanova in that second round game. Um, and, and this, you know. Uh, we've talked about it. They've got the skill, they've got the talent. They just, you know, for whatever reason, and maybe a break will be good. They need to get right. They've lost six of their last eight. Uh, and those two wins, uh, even going back further, you want to say they've lost seven of, uh, their past 10, uh, with wins only over Nebraska, Northwestern and Penn state. Um, so, you know, they, but they got to get right. But if they can, I mean, Micah Potter, Dimitri Trice, uh, Ravers, Davidson, Aleem, they've, they've got a bunch of talented guys, they just, you know, 
for the last month or month and a half have struggled to put it together. Can they, can they figure it out? I don't know. Um, I hope so. Like, like you want to see, you know, conference teams do well. And I I think they have certainly the ability not only to beat North Carolina, but I think they could go toe to toe with Baylor. Uh, They could also lose to North Carolina by, by 20 plus. Um, So it could, it could really shake out any, any way. I think if Wisconsin can win that game, they have a chance to kind of, slowly turn the wheels and get going and give Baylor a tough game in that second round. I'm actually going to go with the Badgers in this matchup. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, North Carolina has looked good. Uh, they looked, you know, they rolled Notre Dame in the, the ACC tournament. Uh, then they beat Virginia tech, uh, played Florida state close in the semifinals. I mean, they've got some good wins. They also have some head scratching losses. Um, I mean, good win. They beat Louisville at home by 45. Then they scheduled a, you know, a game against Marquette, just trying to get games uh, and lost it. And that game turned out to be a quad three loss at home. Um, they lost at Syracuse. Uh, you know, they, they, they lost at Georgia tech. Like they just, you think they got it together and, and then it, it's hard to tell, but Armando Baycott's really good. Uh, Garrison Brooks, really, really good. Leaky blacks, a, a pretty good guard for them. Um, yeah, I guess Leakey's more of a, a three, a shooting forward. But, um, you know, they've been up, they've been down. I feel like when you get into this range in the, the seven to eight, nine, 10, 11 range, you talk about a lot of teams who've been up and who've been down and have played well and then have struggled. Uh, and it will, you know, kind of depend on which North Carolina team shows up, but uh, would not at all be surprised to see Wisconsin win this game. We've got Winthrop as a 12 seed up against Villanova 5 seed. Villanova really feels like the wheels have been coming off uh, over the last few weeks. They lost Colin Gillespie and uh, Justin Moore. That's his name. I mix him up with the other guy. Justin Smith, I think, is the other guy in Arkansas, right? That's his name? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Justin, Justin yeah. Moore. I mixed those guys up, and we got them both in the same region. But he was injured. I think he actually came back, though. But... Villanova, we're talking about as one of those teams coming into the preseason. Really, the wheels are coming off. They lose Gillespie. They still have Robinson Earl, who's a he's a stud in the low post. But the Winthrop Eagles, I'm going to go with this is going to be one of my upsets here. As a 12 seed, 23-1, and one, I watched them route whoever it was in the Big South Conference title game a week the ago. The Campbell fighting camels. Yes, that's right. That's right. I like Winthrop in this matchup. Yeah, I won't. I won't disagree. Which uh, you know, people who've listened to the podcast and want to hold me and remind me of the things I've said. I picked Villanova at uh, the start of the season to win the national title, and now uh, going to have them lose in the first round. Losing Gillespie was just <laughs> just heartbreaking for them. Um, you know, he along with Jeremiah Robinson Earl were two of the three co Big East players of the year. Uh, how that ends up with a three-way tie is another discussion for another time. But uh, yeah, Winthrop is, um, you know, the, the guys from Rock Hill, South Carolina, 23 and one. Uh, they are just solid and have, you know, been as good a, a mid-major back from, um, you know, they, they almost beat Tennessee and, and Chris Lofton uh, in the early 2000s. <laughs> That's a name. And, and uh, you know, start out 16 and 0, uh, they've now won seven in a row since then only lost to, to, um, UNC Asheville, uh, Pat Kelsey's got a good thing rolling. 
uh, you know, it, they, they'll probably be a trendy 12 over five pick. And, uh, I'm certainly inclined to agree with you there. Uh, they've, uh, I, I think the wheels have just kind of come off for Villanova. Yeah. And then we have the four 13 matchup Purdue versus North Texas. Now I did not see North Texas at all this year. So, uh, maybe you did, maybe there's something I missed, but I did watch Purdue and this was a rebuilding year for Purdue. They really overachieved and they were really good this year with Travion Williams. And then they've got that other guy, uh, Edie or Eddie, the really big dude. That guy's huge. And he's only a freshman. I like this Purdue team to move on. Yeah, I do too. Um, North Texas, they jumped out to a big lead last night against uh, West, uh, Western Kentucky. They scored 34 points in the first half. They scored 14 in the second half. Uh, somehow managed to get it to overtime. They scored seven in the final, final minute uh, and then scored 13 points in overtime. Um, so it was, it was an up-and-down game. Uh, they can, they can kind of slow it down um, and make you play at their pace, kind of impose – uh, their tempo, they are 350th in adjusted tempo. So this is going to be a low possession. <laughs> if they can kind of impose their will, a low possession sort of game, uh, they want to grind things out. Um, but yeah, uh, Purdue, Travion Williams, um, Brandon Newman, a, a product, a product of Valparaiso high school, uh, Sasha Stefanovic, another region guy from crown point, and uh, Jaden Ivey has been really impressive. Yeah. Uh, also makes me feel really old because I remember watching his mom play college basketball at Notre Dame. <laughs> like I have vivid memories of Niall Ivey. And now the fact that her son is playing in college makes me feel incredibly old. Um, <laughs> but shouts to her, you know, going, she's making the trip as the, the head coach of Notre Dame's women's back and forth between South Bend uh, and West Lafayette. And yeah, uh, you know, not a lot was projected out of these boilers. I don't think this year, especially when Matt Harms transferred and um, they had another guy whose name escapes me at the moment. Um, but he was, I think he eventually ended up at Howard. Um, but yeah, I know what you're talking about blanking on the name as well. But but uh, yeah, uh, they weren't, I don't think very highly thought of, but uh, Trevin Williams is awesome. Uh, you know, North Texas did a good job for the most part of stopping uh, Charles Bassey last night. Uh, I think he finished with 13 points and 11 rebounds. And, uh, you know, he's a, a potential lottery pick in the NBA draft. But um, I think Williams and uh, Eddie and Stefanovic and Newman, all those guys, uh, too much. Boilers moving on here. Yeah. And on top of all those things, Matt Painter is a great coach. So uh, just... Smith, Smitty's got a note. No gel Eastern. Thanks, Smitty. Appreciate oh, it. You, you, yes. Right on it. That's 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 it. That's it. Good job, Smitty. Uh, keep it up. All right. The next one. Now, both these teams I like a lot. It's hard for me to pick against either of them. You have Texas Tech as a six seed, which could be a sleeping giant. I'm so glad I said at the top of the show. I'm so glad Utah State got into this tournament. They won. Uh, they were they won the Mountain West Conference title game two years ago. They got the bid last time. So last time we had a tournament. Brock Miller is a very fun player uh, and really a great story with him. And you should recognize him. He's definitely uh, a guy. He has no facial or body hair uh, due to a medical condition uh, that he has. And really great story. Great player. I think this Utah State team is really good. At the same time, Tex had a lot of success in the past. So I could really go either way here, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, Utah state, uh, you know, tech was, 
you know, the most recent time we saw them in the NCAA tournament, they were taking Virginia to overtime in the national championship game. The roster uh, looks decidedly different uh, from that team that played, but uh, now they got Mac McClung. Um, you know, Kyler Edwards was a freshman on that team uh, a couple years ago and, and was playing some, gotten some run there. Uh, not a lot of guys who are left over necessarily from that final four team, but uh, Chris Beard has done a good job of, you know, turning Texas Tech into one of the premier programs in the Big 12. Uh, Mac McClung, after transferring from Georgetown, has, uh, you know, he's he's been really good for them this year. It's hard to get a feel for Texas Tech. I mean, they, they started out, really really well they were 11 and 3 they beat texas in austin um you know then lost to baylor in west virginia which is nothing to shake a stick at necessarily <laughs> but then just kind of started alternating winning streaks and losing streaks they lost two one three lost three one three they've lost two in a row now just hard to get a feel for them um this is one of those games however uh, Texas Tech is 24th in defensive efficiency, and Ken Palm is, er, and Utah State is eighth uh, in defense. So, um, if anybody out there is inclined to, uh, you know, make some wagers, I, I think it's pretty safe to bet the under on this one. Um, you know, I don't know how low Vegas will set that number, but uh, this is a game that could be 55, 50, something like that. Um, you know, it, it's good to see Utah State get in. Good to see, as you mentioned, good to see Utah State even avoid the first four. That sweep of San Diego State really spoke well for them. And uh, I, I will pick Utah State here uh, just, you, you know, just for, for the upset purposes. But like I said, it's going to be a very low-scoring game, um, low possession, low-scoring. Uh, and I like the Aggies to win here. I, I think the, the Mountain West is a little bit undervalued as a whole, as a conference, and uh, I like them to get the upset. Yeah, we're on the same page with this. Now, the opposite on the other side of the meeting, meeting the winner of that game. Now we have Arkansas and Colgate, which could be, I think it's a lock to hit the 70s. The question is, do they hit 100 here, Andrew? I mean, this could be first team to 90. You know, yeah. you know, people talked about Colgate. Uh, they were kind of the net the NCAA efficiency tool. Uh, they were kind of the anomaly this year. They've been in the top 10 for a while. They only played you know, the Patriot league only played regular season games and even to limit travel or not regular season uh, conference games. They didn't play any non-conference games and they basically split the league in half and just played the same teams in your side over and over again. So what they only played, I think three teams, the, the first uh, before they got into the Patriot league tournament. But uh they get up and down the floor. They shoot a lot of threes. Uh, when they go in, they can score uh, points in buckets. Uh, you know, I know Arkansas is uh, a team you really like. Uh, I know the, the <laughs> Musselman family uh, thinks highly of your valuation of them as well. Um, you know, conversely, uh, as Smitty was coming out, he says the, the over-under for the game before is 132.5 for um, Texas Tech and Utah State. Uh, so definitely bet the under on this one. And he's got 157 and a half. I think it's, I think it's pretty safe to bet the over. I could very easily see both teams, uh, you know, it could be at 88, 75. I think Arkansas is going to win. I really like the way they're playing. I know you're really high on them as a team as well. Uh, and the job Eric Musselman has done there. Um, but this, this is not going to be a low scoring game. Uh, conversely where uh, the game right before it could be deemed possibly a rock fight. Uh, this will be a track meet. Uh, they're going to get up and down the floor. They're going to shoot a lot of threes. Uh, and it will be, if you like offense, this one will be highly entertaining. 
Woo pig. That's all I have to say. Yeah, Moving on. <laughs> that Arkansas-Utah State matchup, if we get there, that'll be a good one. Okay, not too much to add on the next one, 7-10, Florida-Virginia Tech. It's another 7-10 of just a couple of teams from power conferences that were really good this year, but not great. Uh, do you have a preference between those two? Not really. Uh, you know, Virginia <laughs> Tech has only played three games in the last month and a half. They were off from February 6th through February 23rd, and then they had to go on. I don't know whether they went on. I can't remember whether they went on another pause until the ACC tournament or whether teams they were supposed to play were unpaused. But they've just played three games in the last five weeks. Um, so on the one hand, they could be fresh. On the other hand, you you don't have those same kind of game reps. Um you, you know, you could kind of pull it out of a hat. Uh, I don't really have a strong preference one way or the other. Um, you know, I have some friends who went to Florida. So I, I'll say Florida just for the sake of, you know, <laughs> at this point we've reached where I don't have anything more than uh, people I know who I like better um, <laughs> or, or who I know more alums of. And, uh, you know, I know more Florida fans. So I'll, I'll lean in that direction. It's, it's your t- kind of typical 7-10 game could go either way. Yeah, I like Florida too. I was just down there. It was great. But um I Florida's a team that low key, you and I were texting about this um a couple months ago. Florida has made four final four appearances since the turn of the new millennium. That's it. They're a very good basketball school that doesn't get enough credit. I have more trust in them than Virginia Tech. Keep it moving. Our final matchup, not too much to say here. Ohio State. Oral Roberts. Truthfully, I thought Oral Roberts was going to be a 16 seed. I watched that Summit League Championship game. They were up 25 in the second half over North Dakota State. I think North Dakota State would have been a more fun team to have in this tournament. They were a better team this year. That game ended up being tied up. And I think North Dakota State even took the lead in the closing minutes. Now, Oral Roberts was able to bounce back from that and win. They were a 16-10 team this year. This feels like a pretty safe Ohio State pick. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I mean, rooting purposes, you, you know, uh, I have a degree from Michigan. I'm not inclined to root for <laughs> Ohio State in much of anything. But uh, going back to the old days of the Mid-Continent Conference, Oral Roberts was Valpo's biggest rival. Um, and, and so can't root for Oral Roberts. I will, I'll be rooting uh, very quietly for the Buckeyes. Um you know, Oral Roberts doesn't have a ton of size, so in that sense, they kind of mirror Ohio State. Uh, Max Abmus is a guy to watch, though. He, uh, the Horizon League Player of the Year, uh, you know, he gets up and down, shoots a, a ton of three pointers. Um, is forty three percent. He's attempted almost two hundred three pointers. Um, you know, he's gone for uh, thirty plus. Um, I'm not sure specifically how many times. I think Smitty will probably pop it up here in the chat in a minute. Um, but I, you know, he's go, he's good for 30 uh, multiple times. They are terrible defensively. They are near the bottom uh, third in D- 285 in defensive efficiency. So uh, Ohio State will be able to score probably at ease. Um, but Ohio State, in terms of defense, is 79th. So for power conferences, that's that's pretty low. So Oral Roberts will be able to score some points. 
I feel like this is another one you can probably say bet the over and feel relatively comfortable with it. But uh, Buckeyes moving on, and uh, you know you hope Kyle Young has recovered. Uh, he missed, uh, he suffered a concussion against Purdue in the quarterfinals. Missed both the semifinal and the final. Uh, you want to see him get back, be healthy. Concussions are scary stuff. But uh, you know the Buckeyes were on. Uh, they 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 went through a swoon of their own again. I feel like I'm just kind of repeating myself as <laughs> right. they've gone up and down. But uh, you know. Uh, Dwayne Washington Jr., J, uh, Justice Suing, like they've got some real EJ Liddell. Uh, they got some really good players. Um, and yeah, too much for Oral Roberts and uh, the Buckeyes moving on. And uh, if we get a Sweet 16 matchup between uh, Arkansas and Ohio State, that could be thoroughly, thoroughly entertaining. I think it will be thoroughly entertaining. That's I do have that matchup, and I've got really. Arkansas Baylor, uh, I could really see that going either way. I could be talked into it either way. Those are my elite eight teams. Who do you have uh, coming out of this region? What are you looking at with this region as a whole? Uh, you know, I'm I'm probably gonna have to. I would love to be able to to pick Baylor to the Final Four. You know, there was a thing a few years ago where they said you don't pick Gonzaga to the final four until Gonzaga gets to the final four, because they, you know, they, they, <laughs> right. they always, and then they got there in 2017. So now it feels like it's safe to pick Gonzaga to get to the final four. Um, you know, Baylor hasn't done that yet. This is, you know, I think Scott Drew's team last year was probably a little bit better than this year's team. Is this the team to get it done? <clears throat> you know, I'd be inclined to probably lean Arkansas uh, or maybe Ohio state. I'm still not a hundred percent certain who I would pick in that game yet. Um, I got to sit and think about it probably for a little bit while, but I do want to say, I think if we get a Baylor Purdue sweet 16 game, um, I think that one could be a lot closer than, than, you know, might people might necessarily be thinking. Uh, I think Purdue, we, we talked about, I think they're undervalued. Um, you know, so I hope I'm not applying the kiss of death to him that to them here, because, uh, I know a lot of people who are Purdue fans. Uh, so hopefully I'm not upsetting them, but, uh, you know, I'm not, I, you know, I, I got to know Scott. He was a coach uh, for Valpo for one year when I was an undergrad. I really like him. I would love to see Baylor get there. I'm just going to, I think, apply the Gonzaga principle. I'm not going to pick them until they get there. Um, so, you know what? Get, uh, oh, give me the Buckeyes. I'm going to regret this for a lot of reasons. But <laughs> give, me, give me Ohio State to the Final Four. Wow. Wow. All right, Smitty, what do you think? And you got Wisconsin in this region, too. So, Wisconsin, uh, how what are you how are you feeling about this? I'll, I turn it over to you, Smitty. Yeah, so I mean, first of all, I hate this matchup. I mean, I absolutely hate it. Uh, it's probably the in this region outside of playing Baylor right to start. Um, it's the last team I would want to play. I'd rather play any of these other teams. I think, and the reason why Wisconsin is not a lank, lanky team. Uh, you know, we have. We have Nate Reavers, who is a string bean down low. Uh, he has zero post presence. Um, good defender, but he just gets knocked around. And then Micah Potter, um, who's solid offensively, but he also gets kind of taken advantage of uh, on defense. So I'm just worried about you know our three, our two and three guards, our, our forward and our two guards going up against guys that are six 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 seven. Um, you know, North Carolina has has three forwards that average seven boards a game. Um, some of that go, some of that going into it, they're one of the worst three point shooting teams in the country. North Carolina is, but 
because of that, there's a lot of long rebounds, um, just a lot of length and a lot of talent on that North Carolina team. So, um, I mean, our, we're going to need to use all of our experience uh, because, I mean, I'm just, I just really worry about defending the, defending the paint against this North Carolina team. Um, you know, uh, we've, we've been vulnerable playing a lot of our, these big 10 teams that are, that are solid and um, letting them get inside and kind of take advantage of us down low. So that's, that's what I'm worried about. Um, that second round against Baylor. Um, I think that could be a low scoring game if it's Wisconsin, if not, if it's North Carolina, I mean, that could be a potential one to watch out for. I mean, North Carolina's talented, um, and I also think Wisconsin could slow things down and make it a, a game that first to 60 wins it. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, as far as over-unders for Wisconsin-North Carolina, because that's the one I'm kind of zeroed in on, um, over-unders 139, I am hammering the under. because um, I mean, that's the only way we have a shot. North Carolina can't shoot. Um, we can't really shoot. So, I mean, we're, <laughs> we're, we don't turn it over very often either. So it's going to be a, a low scoring game. I think we're going to slow it way down. We're still probably going to lose. Um, that's just kind of the way the, the way the end of the season has worked out for the Badgers. But, um, as far as this, this, uh, division, I do see if Baylor can get by North Carolina, assuming they probably beat Wisconsin, um, I think that they go um, all the way until, let's see here, the Elite Eight, where they would play, man, either, I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure who would come out of the South there, but um, I do think Baylor is probably the, definitely the team to beat. And looking at who they might play, uh, depending how it kind of full, unfolds, if they have to play Texas Tech, uh, that could be a tough matchup, but they know each other. So I think Baylor would still win that. If they play Arkansas, I could see Arkansas beating them um, or Ohio State. But um, I could see look for Texas Tech to make a run. And if that's the case, that's probably good for Baylor. I'm, I'm riding with the Razorbacks. I feel like all of their... We we got it. We recently just picked up a lot of Arkansas listeners with that oh. tweet from last week. So I'd be yeah. letting them down if I don't pick Arkansas. They own me at this yeah. point. Uh, you're, you're on the must bus. I am on the must yeah. bus. I'm He's the, loving the it. PJ Fleck of college basketball. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great comparison. I'll go with Arkansas. And uh, you guys are okay on time for right now. I mean, we'll wrap yeah. this up fairly quick. Shout out to the wives, both you guys' wives, uh, Megan and Madeline. You guys are the real MVPs for allowing me to borrow your husbands for a couple hours here. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to the last region, and this is the Midwest. Illinois, pretty easy to pick them over Drexel uh, in this one sixteen matchup. I think we can advance Illinois unless there's anything interesting about Drexel that you would like to uh, educate us on. Their mascot's the Dragons. Just want to get that out there. <laughs> Drexel so Dragons. I like so that. Shout to the shouts to the Dragons. <laughs> All right. I, I was thinking like the Clydes or the Glides because I just think of Clyde Drexler. Drexel. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a good one. All right, in the 8-9 matchup, Loyola Chicago. This is really, really bad for Loyola Chicago in this spot. I thought 
regardless of if they were an eight seed, regardless of if they were a six seed, a 10 seed, this is where I think they'd be better off. I would, if I was loyal to Chicago, I would rather be in Drake's position where you play Wichita state, win your way in, get USC, not have to play Kansas until the potentially the uh, round of, I guess that'd be your round of 32 game. Going up against Illinois potentially in round two is maybe the, that could be the kiss of death for one of the best mid-major teams in the country. I I don't think that they should be. You're looking at an eight seed as a team that's ranked around 30. They were a top 25 team for the last six weeks of the season or so. I this is what probably the biggest gripe I have with the uh the seeding and for Illinois too to have to play Loyola in round two for that matter. Yeah, yeah. I think uh you know I think ultimately we'll get Illinois into the Sweet 16, but I think uh they were done absolutely no favors by the possibility of having to play uh Loyola, you know, Cameron Crutwig, uh veteran of that 18 final four team, uh possibly there in the second round. Uh you know I, I assume if you ask Porter Mosier if he would trade places with Rutgers, uh, who's the 10 seed, um, he would probably do so in a heartbeat um, because I think, as you as you said, they'd be better off if they'd have been seated a little bit lower. Uh, if they were where Rutgers is in the 10 in this bracket and open with Clemson and then had to play the winner of Houston and Cleveland State, uh, they would probably be feeling pretty good about their chances to get to the Sweet 16. But Loyola, ninth overall in efficiency margin on Ken Pomeroy, the number one defense in the country. Um you know, we're not going to, I don't think we extend too far, but I think that Illinois Loyola game, if we get that in the second round uh, of all the potential second round games, that is as appealing to me as any other ones. Um, because, you know, Illinois has, Illinois playing great. Uh, you know, the big 10 tournament champs, uh, they have, they've won seven in a row. Um, you know, they got IO back. Uh, they're running on all cylinders, um, but that's, that's going to be a tough game. Uh, Loyola will slow it down. Uh, 347 or 342 in tempo. Uh, they'll want to limit possessions, uh, run the clock, work it down. Um, I won't go so far as to pick Loyola to beat Illinois, but if it's a two possession game with a minute to go, I would not at all be surprised. And uh, no offense to Georgia Tech, Josh Pastner, uh, winning the ACC tournament. I know you said you're down a little bit on the ACC. Uh, great to get Georgia Tech in the tournament. Um, you know, good for Josh Pastner. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I think the Ramblers to to move on in the second round, and I think to to give Illinois quite a game. Ramble on. <laughs> that was the best Led Zeppelin I could do. But uh, <laughs> no, I and the other losers of this matchup, the whole state of Illinois, which has waited a long time to have relevant basketball in this state. It's like. You should, it should be better. It's a state that should have better college basketball. It hasn't. And now you're going to lose one of these teams. But, I mean, you could lose both of them if, if, if Georgia Tech were to go on a run here, but you're probably going to lose one of the, I mean, you're certainly going to lose at least one of these teams by the end of the first weekend. Really uh, two great stories. And if Loyola was in another spot, I mean, they're a team that I could see going back to the Final Four. That team that they have this year could potentially be better than that team that they had uh, a few 
few years ago. So if they're able to get through this game, there is a path for them to get back. But it's it's I mean, that's really tough because I think Illinois is pretty much everyone's favorite team right now. They're riding that momentum wave. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, certainly can't blame them. Uh, they've, they've looked as, as good as anybody in the country. I feel like a lot of the talking heads, what I saw, uh, pick, uh, Gonzaga, Illinois national title game. I think that would be quite a good one. If, if we can get it, uh, you know, the tournament always kind of delivers some surprises, so we'll see, but, uh, you know, certainly nothing to shake a stick at, but I think, uh, the committee didn't do any Illinois, any favors, um, (laughs) as, as we go down this bracket and talk, you know, especially about these these teams seated fifth uh, and fourth, and maybe even going so far uh, as you know the sixth seed, kind of looking out there. I don't think it, the committee did Illinois any favors. No, they definitely did not. Five seed Tennessee versus twelve seed Oregon State. Where this is interesting because you had Oregon State picked to finish last in the Pac-12. They went on quite a run here to similar, same, pretty much the same exact run that Georgetown did where they won four straight days, win the Pac-12, good for them, great story, the Beavers. Tennessee is a team that, at their best, is one of these teams that could be right up there with, I mean, they are right up there with Alabama, Arkansas, LSU. Tennessee's a really good team. We saw it uh, a week ago on that Sunday game. They blew, I can't remember who it was. They blew a team out last Sunday. And then they were playing down to the wire with Alabama yesterday. Came close to winning that game. I know some of the Vols fans were not happy with some of the officiating. But uh, what do you make of this, Andrew? Vols play good defense. Um, You know, they were... Under Rick Barnes, I think they're they're fourth in the country in defensive efficiency. And again, whenever you can defend, you, you give yourself a chance to win the game. Um, you know, John Fulkerson, senior, he's uh, you know, they Tennessee was a team that uh, last year, um, or, or two years ago rather, in nineteen, they were thirty one and six, and uh, you know, made it to Sweet Sixteen before they lost to uh, Purdue in overtime. Um, but uh, you know. Th- they started out, they were really highly ranked. They opened the season with a, a win over Colorado. Um, you know, they, they got to 10 and one and, uh, were in the, were in the top 10 and then started losing some games that, but they, they beat Kansas. Then they just kind of alternated wins and losses for a while. Uh, since the middle of February, uh, since early February, they've gone win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. Uh, they have back-to-back wins over Florida. So Florida was the team they, they beat last Sunday and then beat them again in the SEC tournament and then right. lost to Alabama yesterday uh, in the semifinals. Um, and they got two really good five-star freshmen uh, who will probably be taken uh, in the NBA draft here in Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer. Um, you know, th- th- just up and down. Uh like I feel like we, I keep saying that about all sorts of teams, but uh, um, you know which Tennessee team shows up. Uh, you know, does the Oregon State magic end? Uh, probably, but credit to them under Wayne Tinkle uh, for winning. Um, you know, three games in three days in Las Vegas to get get into the NCAA tournament. Uh, that really good on them. And uh, but yeah, I, Tennessee to move on. But man, uh, you know, looking at their potential second round opponent. Uh, should should Oklahoma State man get past Liberty? Uh, Tennessee and Oklahoma State could be uh, a really really entertaining game. Well, this is you, that leads us into this four thirteen matchup. 
Oklahoma State, another team, done no favors whatsoever. They they had won maybe I think it was before the conference tournament. They had won six of their last seven, uh, and then they won quite a few. They won at least a couple games in that tournament. They lost last night to Texas. They have the number one pick, consensus number one pick in the country. Cade Cunningham, they've got the star player. They've got the momentum. They're a really good team. They're awarded Liberty, who has won the second most amount of games in Division I play over the last three years cumulatively. Not a good seeding, not a good draw for the Cowboys. Yeah, uh, I know – you know, we didn't, we didn't touch a lot about seeding. Um, it's probably a team that looks a little bit underseeded, I think. Um, you know, given the way that they played, but they they were they were just barely above five hundred before you met, as you said, before they won. Uh, they won eight of their last ten. Um, before they got that point, they were twelve and six. They were five and six in the league, um, and and since they they've rolled on, they they beaten Oklahoma, uh, got a couple wins over West Virginia, uh, went over Baylor in the semifinals. They played Texas close. Um, you know, Cade Cunningham is, you know, I don't know enough about how the NBA builds franchises. Um, <laughs> you know, whether, uh, I would take him with the number one pick, um, certainly, uh, would think that that would be possibly near there. Uh, if it's not Cunningham, it's Evan Mobley, maybe Jalen Suggs. Um, you know, I don't follow the NBA closely enough to say he's for sure the number one pick. All I know is Cade Cunningham is awfully fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and I think he's talented enough. You know, you, you need a good team, but you need a talented player to carry teams a long way. Um, and, and I think he's the kind of guy who could go on a, you know, Carmelo Anthony type run, uh, put this team on his back and, uh, you know, get them to the sweet 16. Uh, you know, maybe not. It, it would be interesting if they played Illinois, uh, as uh, Brad under was former school. Um, he left Oklahoma state to go to Illinois. Um, you yeah. know, get, yeah, facing off against his former school. Um, but I think Cunningham's the kind of guy who could carry a team to three, four possible wins. If you told me Oklahoma state got to the final four, I wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be my first pick. Um, but if, if they beat Illinois in the sweet 16, I will not be shocked. This region is loaded. And, you know, to tell the truth, I this is one of those matchups with Liberty. I think I'm going to go back and forth on all week. And I'm blanking on the name of that guard at Liberty. They have that really good guard. I kind of like Liberty in this spot, Andrew. Uh, Liberty beat, uh, you remember, two years ago. Uh, they knocked off Virginia Tech, I think it was, in the fir- uh, Mississippi State in the first round and then lost State. to Virginia Tech. Um, so, you know, they, they were the 12 seed in the, that 12, five upset knocked off, uh, Mississippi state. So, uh, they're certainly not going to be phased by the bright lights of the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, they've won 12 in a row, uh, since they lost to Stetson, uh, rolled through their conference tournament and, uh, you know, yeah, they're, they're, uh, um, Darius McGee, I think is the name of the guy you're thinking of. Um, yes. Yeah. He's great. Uh, I think he was the conference player of the year. Yeah, I believe he was the ASUN player of the year. And, uh, yeah, um, you know, they're certainly not going to be phased by the NCAA tournament. Um, I do think that Oklahoma State and the individual talent of Cade Cunningham is a tough draw for them. Um, yeah. 
but at at the same time, they're they're they know what it takes to pull off an upset. So they're not gonna they're not you know gonna be wowed by the big stage, and uh, the lights won't be too bright for them. Bottom half of the final region of the bracket: San Diego State versus Syracuse, six eleven matchup. San Diego State, a team that's red hot. Syracuse finds themselves in this spot where they've been successful. They did it in 2018 and they also did it in 2017 or no 2016. They got all the way to the final four where it's just like bubble team sticks around, kind of gets it going in the conference tournament. And now all of a sudden you're looking at Syracuse as a team that maybe wins a game in the tournament, maybe wins a few games in the tournament. I still like I still like the Aztecs though in this matchup. I'm I'm big on the Aztecs. I'm talking tomorrow. I Andrew, I, this is the first of uh, four days straight of podcasting for me. Mm. Tomorrow, I'm going to have an episode out, and the idea is let's talk. How do you build a bracket if you're someone that's not a college basketball fan? So I'm going to be speaking with my cousin who graduated from San Diego State last year, Zoe Jeffrey. So that should be a lot of fun. We'll call it something like college basketball 101 or March Madness for dummies or whatever. But I'm riding with her alma mater here. I like I like the Aztecs. Yeah, Brian Dusher's team. Uh, you know, he was an assistant under Steve Fisher. So uh, he was an assistant when Jawan Howard uh, was in Ann Arbor, part of the Fab Five. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know they just roll. They just keep they just keep rolling it over. Uh, they defend really well. Um, you know, they're 11th in the country in defense. They're just typically a top, a top 20 defense. Um, and you know, since they got swept by Utah state, which as we talked about, got the Aggies, uh, that was really kind of the feather in the cap for the Aggies, uh, 14 wins in a row. Uh, you know, they haven't lost since the 16th of January. They beat UCLA to open the season. Uh, they have wins over St. Mary's. They beat Arizona state, which at the time seemed like a really big win. And Arizona state kind of, kind of fell off the face of the earth. Um, but yeah, uh, I like Brian Dutcher's club. Uh, you mentioned Matt Mitchell. Uh, he's a really good player. Um, you know, he, uh, has been really good for them, uh, for, for all four years that, that he's been on this team and, uh, he's been fantastic. Uh, they got some other really good players as well. Um, you know, they've got a guy, uh, Agueca Rope, who's actually from Omaha. Uh, so, uh, wasn't here. I didn't get to see him play high school. He was he was gone before I was there, but uh, or before we moved here. But uh, he's so he's got kind of the Omaha connection. Um, you know the the thing about Syracuse in the ACC and in the Big East before you know teams get used to kind of attacking their two three zone. They they've got the big two three zone with they put the tall guys out top and and once you get into teams that don't see it on a regular basis, don't scout it. Um, you know, that's kind of, I think one of the reasons why they, they've had so much success once you get out of their league. Um, and you know, if you, if they, they went on a run, uh, wouldn't surprise me, but I'm going to agree with you. I like the Aztecs here. Yeah, we're in agreement and 100% on that zone assessment as well. All right. Press Virginia as a three seed taken on the winner of the Ohio, Ohio Valley. That's Moorhead state. This is a team that 10 years ago, had some success with Kenneth Faree. They were a fun team back then. They surprisingly beat Belmont. Uh, and Belmont was a team that went, I think, like 22-3 and three or something like that. They were supposed to get that bid out of the Ohio Valley. Moorhead State gets the win. 
Can they keep up with Press Virginia? Yeah, maybe. Um, you know that they got a couple of. You mentioned I went over Belmont. They beat Belmont twice in the uh, the past two weeks. First time in overtime, and then uh, they really took it to them in the final of the Ohio Valley Conference tournament. Uh, led from start to finish. Uh, Johnny Broom, uh, their freshman, has been uh, pretty spectacular. He's 6'10", 235, uh, and uh, you know he's in the top fifty in blocks. Um, you know he's he's a good he's good around the rim. Um, he's a good player. It gets the free throw line a lot. Um, you know, it doesn't only shoots about 64% from the line, but, but gets there, uh, a ton, you know, he could, he could be problematic for West Virginia, but, uh, you know, uh, Derek Culver for them, just a really, really outstanding player, uh, all big 12 first team, um, which when you think about it is, uh, you know, a lot of guys really talented in that league and, uh, for him, for him to do that, uh, is pretty good. I, I, I would spend a little bit of time thinking about this just because, you know, West Virginia has lost three of their last four. Now, granted, those three losses were to Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State twice. Um, like I might think about Moorhead State for a little while, but probably not for too long. I think it's I think it's West Virginia here. Um, but the the second round game, West Virginia and uh, San Diego State, that's one start to to think and you have some pause. Yeah, no, I, I have West Virginia winning this game. I do have San Diego State moving to Sweet 16, though. I think they're second weekend team. Uh, more on that in a bit. We got two more of these to run through, and then we can uh, finish things up, wrap things up. Thank you to everyone sticking with us. Uh, this is a lot of fun going in-depth here, and uh, really a great episode. And uh, <laughs> I can't believe I'm already trying to wrap this thing up, but <laughs> I'm just uh, I'm excited. All right. Clemson and Rutgers, 7-10 matchup. Ron Harper Jr. and Rutgers. I saw this team. Another one up and down, up and down, up and down. I think that that play that they had in the Big Ten prepped them well for the tournament. I'm going to pick them over the Tigers. Yeah, first time in the NCAA tournament since 1990. Um, I, I I, will go the same. Jacob Young, uh you know, Ron Harper Jr., as you mentioned, Miles Johnson on the all-defensive team, Geo Baker, uh, you know, credit really to, to Steve Peichel. Uh, he came into Rutgers, and Rutgers a hard place to win. And uh, he had them on the precipice of an NCAA tournament a bit a year ago. It didn't happen, um, you know, but uh, he, he's turned it around. Uh, first few years, just under 500 uh, when he got there. Uh, they bottomed out at 7-25 and 25 under Eddie Jordan. And then since then, 15-18, and 18, 15 and 19, uh, 14 and 17, and then 20 and 11 last year. Now 15 and 11, and uh, for the first time since 1990. And uh, yeah, uh, let's pencil in the, the Scarlet Knights to get to second round. Let's do it. And finally, we've got the Houston, Houston Cougars. And uh, Cougars, right? I, yep. I don't know why. It's the fact that I'm two hours into a podcast and I'm losing confidence <laughs> in my train of thought at uh, 9.30 p.m., Nevertheless, Houston Cougars and Cleveland State out of their Horizon League. Cleveland State, uh, they won a tournament game. I think that was in the late 2000s, maybe around 2007 or 2008. The Norris Cole years. Yeah. Yes, Norris Cole. That's right. Yeah, and they had the 2010s, not the 
kindness to the Vikings. Uh, we covered them when they were playing. Valpo was still in this conference, and we saw them quite a bit. And we saw them get routed quite a bit. Wright State was typically the better school in Ohio. Cleveland State wins the uh, they win the Horizon League. Houston, though, is a dang good team. And I, I, I'm not seeing it in this particular instance for Cleveland State. But both these teams, this is another one that's probably going to score. They're going to score a lot of points in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, just, just briefly, uh, I move Houston on, but, uh, credit to coach Dennis Gates and Cleveland state. Um, I, I don't, they won't get as much press, um, but they were picked near the bottom of the horizon league, uh, wow. much like Georgetown uh, and Oregon state that we touched on. I don't think they were picked to finish last, but they were picked near the bottom and, uh, for them to roll through a regular season title, uh, then they needed to survive triple overtime against Purdue Fort Wayne, uh, and then beat Milwaukee and held off a, a decent charge from Oakland to to get back to the NCAA tournament. Uh, and this was a program that, you know, as you'd said, uh, in the mid two thousand in the late two uh, thousands, they were twenty six and eleven. Uh, they knocked off Wake Forest with that uh, Cedric Jackson and Norris Cole uh, before they lost to Arizona, uh, and then the program when we were both in Val- uh, they were twenty seven nine. Um, you know, then the two seed in the NIT, uh, in 2011, and then kind of since then 22 and 11, but then 14 and 18, uh, you know, the 19 and 15, nine and 23, nine and 22, uh, 12 and 23 and 10 and 21 before, uh, Dennis Gates was hired. And even though they were, they were 11 and 21 last year and they got it turned around, great turnaround on their part. Uh, congrats to the Vikings on getting back to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, really a great story there. Taking a look at the Midwest region, fitting that we got Illinois in here. There isn't a team that I like more in college basketball right now than the Illinois Fighting Illini. And that surprised me because we were talking about them a few weeks ago and we're saying, you know, they're a good team, but maybe Ohio State's better than them. They're peaking at the right time. They have so much depth. And you have a number of guys that can take over a game or maybe not take over, but can give you, give you buckets, give you moments. Uh, Bishvili right today. He put up 10 quick points for them. Uh, Curbelo is a guy who can go off. You got Miller and Frazier, and that's not even mentioning the tank that you have on the low post and Kofi Coburn or the potentially, you know, one of the, uh, an all-American player in Io DeSumo. I am riding the Illini to the Final Four here. The, the, they're going to have to win that Loyola game if they can do that. Maybe they have to beat Oklahoma State. Maybe they have to beat Liberty, depending on how that shakes out, or Tennessee. Uh, the bottom half with San Diego State and Houston. I do have San Diego State moving to Sweet 16. Houston, San Diego State. I mean, this is a hard road for the Fighting Illini, but they're battle-tested. They've proved it over the last couple of weeks to me, and I'm going to go with the Fighting Illini, the Final Four. Uh, you know, I would be inclined to agree. Um, you know, to, to get there, um, you know, that you kind of laid out that path. Uh, Loyola is the ninth-ranked team in Ken Palm. Um, Houston is six and San Diego state is 20. Um, you know, so they're, they're going to have to beat some good teams and that's, you know, Oklahoma state's down at 30, but Cade Cunningham, 
uh, you know, one of the top players in college basketball. So Illinois, if they get there, uh, will have earned it. Um, and like you said, they're, they're playing as well. Curbelo stepping up has really been uh, a key for them. They needed kind of that third score aside from Coburn and uh, Desumu. And uh, Ios looked good since coming back from breaking his nose. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to pick against them right now. Like I, like I think I think Loyola will give them a game. I, if Oklahoma yeah. State gets there, I think that game will get close. Um, and you know, I think San Diego State or Houston, I think that game could be close too. But ultimately, I I, I think Illinois. Uh, moves on to the final four any uh shockers that you have in this region uh i like san diego state to the elite eight um Ooh. which uh y- you know i i'll probably regret saying um <laughs> i just i just like the way they play they defend well matt mitchell's a, a good score um you know san diego state and houston met in the first round of the 2018 tournament uh, in a 6-11 game that Houston ended up winning uh, before, you know, uh, Jordan Poole knocked off Houston in the in the second round on that three-pointer at the end to propel Michigan to the final four. But uh, that would be a, a rematch of sorts for a few guys who are probably on that team. Uh, like I said, I just think the Mountain West has been drastically undervalued. Um, and, and I like Brian Dutcher's club. I, I, I think I'd take them to the Elite Eight. What do you think, Smitty? I just really, I just want to see two matchups. I want in the Sweet 16, I want to see Illinois uh, and Oklahoma State really badly. Um, I I don't know how it'll shake out. Uh, I mean, I think for sure Illinois will get there. Um, I I sort of just want Oklahoma State to get there just to see that matchup. Um, I think Oklahoma State could uh, possibly keep up uh, with some of the scoring of of Illinois. I do think Illinois will end up being the one coming out of this. Uh, the other sweet 16 matchup I really want to see, um, contrary to what you guys are saying about San Diego state. Um, I, I just, I love the West Virginia energy too. Um, would love to see West Virginia, uh, sorry, not Rutgers. I will root for Rutgers because I'm a big 10 guy, but, uh, (laughs) sorry, Houston, uh, Houston, West Virginia. That'd be another really fun game to watch. Um, just as a spectator in the sweet 16 uh, I yeah, seeing how West Virginia played Baylor earlier in the year, um, just their energy, Bob Huggins, you know, that whole deal. And then I watched that game uh, that, that final today with Houston and just, they just rolled, um, you know, they couldn't miss and they're running up and down the floor, um, nailing threes, dunking the ball. I mean, they're a fun team to watch. So um, really just want to see that matchup. But yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, we've all said it a million times. Illinois just is so hot at the right time. You know, I think uh, it's really hard to stop Kofi Coburn down low, especially. Uh, he just, just – him adding him to the mix with all the talent and athleticism on the edge, it's just, you know, usually a team has one or the other. You know, usually they have one big guy down low, and if you can get him in foul trouble, it's over. Well, Illinois, they can beat you in a lot of different ways. So, yeah, I got Illinois. Yeah, the thing with Illinois that makes me a little nervous is just the fact that when everyone starts saying something, there's typically <laughs> yeah. it feels like there's got to be something that's that gives here. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the alternatives, though. Um, yeah, I mean, s- s- to your point, Jack. I mean, all these teams are in the tournament because they're good, right? Um, so anything can happen. Um, there's a lot of good teams that can show up and shoot the lights out um and and beat a team like like illinois or one seed you know um and i don't watch a lot of these teams throughout the year <laughs> like I, andrew you, i couldn't hold your jack strap with some of this stuff I mean, you, you're yeah you, you're going through you know everyone's called the coaches names i'm you know i'm going based off of the games i happen to watch uh <laughs> some of the research uh but like georgia tech i haven't watched one georgia tech game 
I mean, I, you know, I, I have no idea how good they are. You know, I've seen some of their results and things like that, but, um, but I mean, these teams are here for a reason. You know, I think it'd be cool if Liberty made a little run. Um, and, but I just really, the other day, I have no idea. Um, I, I mean, you see, it's, I mean, really, I'm excited to see how the big 10 uh, just overall performs in the in the tournament because all the talk it's kind of like the sec and bowl season right yeah. uh, the sec everyone they're the best conference they're the best conference and then just seeing them you know how they perform in the actual tournament i'm really curious to see some of these mid-tier to you know like these 500 big 10 teams how they compete you know he's okay the big 10 really is that good or you know maybe maybe they're a little overhyped. So um, excited to see if Rutgers can knock off Clemson. And I mean, maybe, I mean, we'll see if they play Houston, that'll be a good test. Will be a good test. All right, boys. I want to hear you rattle off your final four, your championship and your winner. Andrew, I'll start with you. Oh boy. Uh, Gonzaga. God, I'm going to regret doing this, but I'll take Michigan, Gonzaga, Michigan, uh, I still said Ohio State. I'll stick with Ohio State and Illinois. Uh, we'll go with like I'm not going to be. I'll be pretty generic and take Gonzaga and Illinois in the national title game. I think Gonzaga <laughs> gets it done, uh, 32 and 0. I think they become the first team since Indiana to finish the season undefeated, and uh, Mark Few finally gets his national championship. Uh, Would love to see it. I hope you're right, Nate. How about you? So I have Kansas in the upset over uh, Gonzaga to get to the final four, um, as well as Texas over Michigan. So two, three seeds in the final four on that side, a Kansas, Texas matchup. And then Baylor, Illinois, not as, not as exciting in the other bracket (laughs) um, with Illinois coming over on top of Kansas in the championship game. So Illinois, uh, Illinois to win that game in the close. Bill self special. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Illinois over Kansas is what I got. Both you guys just took the words right out of my mouth. I've got Illinois over Kansas in hey. the championship, uh, the Bill Self Bowl is what I was going to call it. <laughs> and uh, But then I also have LSU and Arkansas, so two SEC teams, an eight seed, a three seed. I guess two three seeds and a one seed. I was kind of – oh, I, I kind of feel like I, I don't know if I'm – getting in the point of being entertaining with a podcast that I want to try to make it interesting rather than like actually going with the chalk. And I talked myself out of because I was so big on Gonzaga and Baylor this whole year. So uh, maybe I talked myself out of it by just trying to do something interesting. So buyer beware with all of these picks guys. Uh, We're not responsible if you lose your pool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we gave you guys 215 or sorry, not two, two hours and 15 minutes of advice just to flip a coin to make your make your choices. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the frustrating thing. Like, you, you know, you talk about all the basketball you watch and then you think you know things and you know, <laughs> then, then they roll the ball out and, uh, you know, it it's something totally unexpected happens. And that's that's the joy about this time of year. Uh, but also the danger in making prognostications at this point is that (laughs) it's all kind of meaningless. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And for all we know, Zoe will probably be the one who wins the Jack Vita show official pool as the person that doesn't watch college basketball. That's how it always works. Right guys. Yeah. Yeah, That's seemingly how it always goes. (laughs) All right, guys. uh, Anything else? Closing thoughts while we're here, Andrew. Uh, You know, like I said, just, 
there are some of the really potential second round matchups are, are really appealing. Like the most that I can feel like I've looked at the second round and gone, man, if they, if they go this way, there are so many good second round matchups that I'm looking forward to that uh, the first time I can look at, I really remember in a while. And uh, so I think, I, you know, I think the, the committee did a good job building the field, uh, a couple of quips about seating, but nothing major. And uh, I think it should be a lot of fun. Should be a lot of fun. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, I think uh, I think one thing to really keep your eye on. I when we were I was in the background here. I was just on Twitter saw um, a report from Virginia. So some of the COVID things that are happening. Um, he said he confirms that a majority of the Virginia players are in quarantine until Thursday. Uh, the team could wow. travel could travel Friday and play Saturday with little or no practice time. Um, so. They are right on the edge. Um, if there's one more positive test, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. So just keep an eye. Out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you have, if you had Virginia doing any damage or, or some of these other teams, you know, um, that could throw a big wrench in things. But hey, more madness, I guess. Goodbye, Kansas pick. Uh, <laughs> 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 All right, guys. If you want my official bracket, I, I may update this thing and put it on Twitter on Thursday night. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. Um, Anything you'd like to plug while you're here? You want to put out your social media handles? Anything of that nature, Andrew? Uh, sure. You can find me. Uh, actually, uh, just some some breaking news here. I guess not really breaking news, but they've released the tip times uh, for the first round games. Uh, we're going to get underway at eleven uh, fifteen Central Time on Friday. The first round with Virginia Tech, Florida. Uh, really, the one to keep an eye on, I think, in this first kind of set of games. Eleven forty five on True TV. We talked about Colgate and Arkansas. Uh, the must bus uh, driven by Jack Vita himself <laughs> uh, can get going early on. Uh, bet the over in that one. Um, but again, uh, yeah, if you want musings throughout the tournament, uh, ASTEM00 on Twitter. Um, yeah, I'll, I'm sure lots of retweets. I'll have lots of airing frustrations, uh, you know, burning brackets, <laughs> things of that nature. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. How about you, Nate? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at, at NateSmith0, the number zero. Um, you'll see a lot of tweets about the Badgers and the Packers mostly, um, <laughs> you know, Contract restructuring, start a free agency with the Packers. I definitely <laughs> diehard there. Um, and you'll see my most recent retweet. Badgers and UNC will tip off at 610 on Friday at Mackey Arena, where UW is 4-42 and 42 all time. <laughs> at least they don't have to play Purdue, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> retweet, retweet. So go to my handle and like that. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff guys all right well thank you so much for joining me this means a lot to me it's a lot of fun it was a lot of fun yeah yeah thanks guys all right let me wrap this up okay guys um thank you all for tuning into our selection sunday special here on the jack vita show hopefully we were able to educate you and inform you just about a little bit of the background on these teams uh we tried to be informative and let you know stuff about these teams because I know a lot of people didn't watch them as much as Andrew did. And um, so we're trying to give you that information. Don't necessarily take our advice. Think freely, uh, do whatever you want with your bracket, but we gave you a little bit of background information, tried to do the best that we can. Hope you guys liked it. I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode and you're excited about March Madness and you want to play in the official pool of the jack vita show you can find that on my website jackvita.com 
Follow along on social media at Jack Vita Show. More information on my website, of course. We also subscribe to the show. Subscribe to the podcast. If you like this show, we got a lot more coming up. I'm going to do more of these live streams. They won't go this long, that's for sure. Ideally, doing some recaps of every round of the tournament. We'll see how that goes. Uh, that's my intention, at least. So a lot of podcasts and news on the tournament. That'll be coming right up. Tomorrow, I'll be talking with Zoe. Should be a lot of fun. We will do that uh, March Madness for Dummies uh, podcast, so that should be a lot of fun. Um, Something that people who are fans of college basketball and are not should enjoy. And then uh, I'll be also dropping the NL Central preview later this week. We still got three more divisions to preview. Only a couple weeks away from opening day. Uh, I'm really excited about that. So if you want some baseball content, that will be dropping later in the week. All right, y'all. Enjoy the madness. Enjoy the tournament. And until our next show, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dates and lobsters. 